You're listening to Review and Preview on Facebook Live. Al Russo, and I'm with Andrew Scarpacci, who's behind the board. Russo, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Fonz. I'm doing good. Uh, I can't even remember the last time I was on a show with you. Yeah. It's been, it, a, it's been a while now. It's been a while. Uh, Andrew, how are you? Good. Good. It's been good to be back. Good. Yeah. No, it's, we weren't. We didn't have a show last week, but we are here this week. Uh, got a lot of uh, stuff to go over across all sports. Yes. I feel like this is the first show in a while where we're talking about literally all four of the major sports right now. Fifth, if you include college basketball, too, on the college level. So uh, we'll start off. Oh, well, first, let me say this. You want to call in 516-299-2790. If you want to give us your takes, your opinions, your thoughts, uh, check us out on Instagram at Review and Preview. And, of course, follow the Facebook page, which we just started. Guys, we reached 100 likes on Facebook. Nice. We got the milestone. We got the triple digits now. Let's go to 200. You know what? Let's go to 1,000 at some point down the line. Let's hope so. But we'll start off with the NFL. The free agent season starts in about a week or so officially, but there is some talks going back and forth on who's going where. We had some early signings already. We'll start off with this. Tony Romo, former Cowboys quarterback there for about 14 years, I believe. This past season was on CBS with Jim Nance doing the calls and probably one of my favorite announcers during the season. Signed a new extension or kind of renewed his contract in 2022, reported at $17 million. Dollars. Insanity. I, I think I read an article stating that Tony Romo never made that for an individual uh, season of play. Not obviously in total. He surmounted around $100 plus million dollars over the course of his career, but individualized season-wise, I don't think he ever earned that per season, yet alone now as an NFL broadcaster. And he's been doing this now for only, what does it say, a year, two years now? He's been I think it might have broad- been two years. I think, it might have been I think it's two years. Yeah. But um, just an insane contract, an insane contract. I remember when... Uh, John Gruden got his massive contract uh, with ESPN, and it was like $10 million a year, and people were saying that was insanity. Yeah. And $17 million a year uh, to be with CBS. Uh, that's just insane. But listen, it's well-deserved, I'll tell you this. Anytime Tony Romo's covering a football game, I make sure to watch it because he's done something that I've never you know, listened to, heard before, and any other NFL uh, broadcast announcer is that he's able to predict plays before they even happen. And it's unbelievable the way he's able to broadcast game. It gets you intrigued. It uh, broadens your horizon and really gets you involved with the game. Puts into perspective how much um, color commentators are bringing in revenue and audiences. Joe Buck's been doing play-by-play for Fox for baseball and football for 20 years, and he only gets paid $6 million. Tony Romo just does color commentary for CBS, and he gets 17 now. I think because of the draw, too. I mean, how many times has he predicted the play correctly? And we're all just amazed by it, like, like how because I mean, obviously, fresh out of the game, yeah, knows what's going on. I mean, clearly, he definitely does. So, I mean, could this be a trend we see with commentators now? Because, like you said, Andrew, uh, Joe Buck's uh, six million. He does two sports. And he's been doing it for his whole and, career. Yeah, and does like the World Series, does the Super Bowl, does these big events, and gets nothing. I mean, six million is still a lot, but <laughs> I mean, compared I think, to seventeen million, it's uh, kind of nothing here. I think we're only going to see uh, when it comes to former players. Uh, obviously, another report coming out that Peyton Manning uh, is talking with ESPN to do Monday Night Football, and I believe that uh, what is it? NBC is looking to see if they could do a trade in which they could somehow uh, get Al Michaels and Peyton Manning <laughs> together, something like no, that. That would be. I mean, Peyton. They've been talks of Peyton joining the booths. Oh yeah. 
even before he retired, like just to come in for a couple of games. But imagine a trade. Yeah. <laughs> That's something you would never see in today's sports is trade between two companies. Hey, uh, give us Al Michaels and we'll give you like three employees at ESPN. I don't know off the top of my head. But yeah. that, they're obviously competing with CBS because you got Nance and, and Romo. It's who, insane. They it's work insane. well together. Uh, and then, you know, Monday Night Football, ESPN's kind of been, you know, more out of like all the major network is kind of on the lower tier compared to the other ones because just the players they are. But Peyton Manning easily jumps it up. Oh, yeah. I think I read a report earlier this week stating that Peyton Manning would uh, uh, acquire something around 18 to 22 a year mm-hmm. uh, based off of Tony Romo's contract. And this is granted that Peyton Manning has never even done this before. Yeah. So that would be. Another thing, absolutely insanity, but I think to answer your question, Fonz, could this be a trend with commentators? I don't really see it becoming a trend with commentators, but former players, I think that's really where it comes former down to com- the yeah, I meant more like former players oh, as yeah. commentators. Without a doubt, without Most a doubt. Most former, a lot of, almost all color commentators are former players, but if you look, there are people from like the 90s who are trying to get back into it and get their name back out there. But someone like maybe Troy Aikman, is he out of touch with today's game of football? Someone like um, Peyton Manning and Tony Romo, they just retired. Yeah. Usually people wait many years before going, getting their name back in, but maybe they want the new guys because they understand the game that's currently being played. Exactly. Another example, um, I know he's back on the Seahawks. Well, he just signed with the Seahawks. Greg Olson did color commentary for a couple XFL games. Yeah. So that's another example, a recent player. Uh, at the time, you weren't sure if he was coming back or not. But, you know, former players that are recent, they're kind of fresh in the game. They kind of know what's going on. So there could be a question. Would people, would players like Aikman just be on the decline now? Would you start seeing the Romos, the Mannings, and other, you know, f- former quarterbacks or whatever taking over the commentator role? So it'll be interesting to see. It's a lot of money for Romo. A lot of players are not happy about it. I uh, mean, you do the math, right? If the new CBA does get put into play 17 games a year, that means Tony Romo is getting paid a million dollars a week. A million dollars a week. Just to call some plays. It's hope- hopefully. He keeps up his uh, his trend of upwards. Yeah. If he's, if the production goes down a little bit, gets a couple of plays wrong, then we're going to have a little bit of a problem here. But we move on to now the actual players itself. We'll start off with Tom Brady, which is crazy to think about. Tom Brady, for the first time in his career, is a free agent. And for the first time ever, we might not see him in a New England uniform next year. It really is. The reports of him, you know, possibly going to Tennessee. I saw something where he would go to San Francisco because he's from the Bay Area, and they would do like a – a swap for Jimmy Garoppolo. Like back a sign to, and trade, yeah. Yeah, a swap for Garoppolo and Brady. Listen, I we've seen, what was it, since 2000 he's been there. It's yeah. going to be weird to see him in a different uniform. I, I always make the joke saying, don't do it, never count out Brady. But as I'm seeing it now, I mean, from the other the other day, I saw him and uh, Edelman at a Syracuse-UNC game. And they're on the phone with Mike Vrabel Listen, from the Tennessee Titans, yeah. Might be overthinking it, but it, it, could, very, it could very well happen, but... I wonder what like what you guys think. Do you think this is like just all just smoke and mirrors? Do you think Brady's actually going to leave, or do you think he's just this is just a way for him to get more money from uh, the Patriots? I he's think... been having a problem with Belichick for many years now. Mm-hmm. I think he's tired of it. Mm, that could also be a two. What do you think? It's either Rousseau? get rid of Belichick or get rid of Brady at this point. I think that with the two uh, two teams, especially the Tennessee Titans and San Francisco 49ers, I think that if he was to leave, these would be the teams definitely in which uh, are probably the best offensively wise. They both have great lines. They both have very, very good defenses. They both have pretty good run attacks, especially Tennessee Titans, having uh, having Derrick Henry, who's uh, rising up in the league, potentially becoming one of the best backs, if not the best back, uh, power back in the NFL uh, at the strength that he has. 
Uh, Receiver-wise, you got A.J. Brown. You got a couple of other receivers, Corey Davis for the Tennessee Titans. Um, Mm -hmm. They have a lot of weapons. And then on top of the fact, everybody alludes to um, the success in which Tom Brady had in New England with Rob Gronkowski in a tight end, and now you could potentially go play with George Kittle, who's arguably the best tight end in all of football. Uh, So either of these choices would be good, but Fonz, I would argue, I I don't think he's leaving New England. I think this is all... I think it's all smoke and mirrors. Yeah. Because I'm going to be honest with you. Andrew, you brought it up that uh, he's had problems with Belichick many a times before, but he's chosen to stay. He's yeah. chosen to – and you got to remember on top of the fact is that he's chosen to stay with an organization in which he's never been really paid at a level in which he was deserving of. Tom Brady last year I think only made $17, 18000000 million. Mm-hmm. They're paying $17, 18000000 million a year for a guy that's getting you to the Super Bowl pretty much every single year and winning it more than half the time. Well, Tom Brady chooses to do that because he looks at it as I can win a Super Bowl and get a hundred million dollars in ads because there's they spend less money on me and they can get players around me. But if they spend thirty five million dollars on me, there's going to be nobody around me and I won't get that money from ads. You make the argument though because of the players they had last year. I mean, that didn't really help his case though too because they, I mean, Julian Edelman, their number one receiver, and then Mohamed Sanu, who kind of failed, who kind of who failed with them. Yeah, and then they've never really had the. They've had the weapons. Oh, as my headphones fall off here, but they've had the weapons. With when Gronk retired, yeah. he left, so they kind of didn't have the tight end. They didn't go out and get a number one tight end for him. Now they're probably maybe looking to potentially do that for him. So yeah, Ben. Remember Ben Watson came out of retirement, and that was Tom Brady's starting tight end every yeah. single day of the week. Yeah, yeah. And then and then uh, Matt Lacoste is another guy oh, too. Yeah, uh, I think he didn't play that much, but I mean, just he just didn't have the surplus of weapons in which he was uh, not used to, but kind of. Had throughout his career, whether it was a Julian Edelman, a Wes Welker, a Danny Amendola, a Rob Gronkowski, even Randy Moss for that one season in which he had, uh, which was his best season ever. But I, I just don't see it. I don't see it. And I'll tell you, it's because of the fact that we all say the issue with Belichick, but we go back two years ago when this whole thing happened with Jimmy Garoppolo mm-hmm. and Tom Brady kind of reached around Bill Belichick and went to Robert Kraft, and Robert Kraft didn't allow it to happen. I don't see any way in which Robert Kraft could take a stance and say, uh, logically, we're going to give up the youth and quarterback in which the greatest coach of all time, arguably, has groomed to be the successor of Tom Brady, Mm -hmm. who has set this franchise up for 20 years of success. We're going to get rid of him and keep you here and then not let this guy finish out his career here when he's given you no reason to not yeah. allow that to happen. Because at the time, he was still playing like a top quarterback. Oh, he won a Super Bowl afterwards. Yeah, exactly. He won a Super yeah, Bowl. Really, that's as, that's as best as you can get. So I'm with you. I yeah. do. I mean, we all. I joke with it, but I'm serious, everybody. Don't do it. Yeah. Don't count him out, all right? He's going to go back to New England. All right? I don't, I don't believe this whole thing goes to Tennessee. Yeah, it's interesting because of Rabel's his friend and all the weapons, but the consistency in New England for so long – and he might be butting heads with Belichick, but at the end of the day, they've won so much together. You can't really argue with that. Yeah. So that's just that's how that's my opinion. Uh, we'll see what happens though. I think well, free agency starts in about a, a week or March eighteenth. March eighteenth. So we got a little bit to go on from there. But he's the first quarterback, I believe. If he says where he's going, then you're going to see the likes of uh, well, Drew Brees is expected to sign back with the Saints. That's another quarterback. Well, he he really controls the entire market. That's what I'm saying. That, Brady, Brady that does. controls because if he goes to Tennessee, that means Ryan Tannehill's going somewhere else. If yeah. he goes with uh, the 
Bucks potentially. That means that Winston. James Winston's going somewhere else. Philip what Rivers happened? is already going somewhere else. They're going to stick with Derek Carr in Oakland. Um, not Oakland, no, Las Vegas, because there were talks of him potentially going to Las Vegas. Is Jacoby Brissett the quarterback for the Colts, or is it going to be Tom Brady potentially? Los Angeles because Philip Rivers yeah. is gone. He it's literally like, controls the entire it's market. It's literally like, I, I make fun of my friends, it's like a, a carousel. It's a musical. Oh, yeah. It's literally yeah. musical chairs right now. Yeah. And Tom Brady leads the pack. Once you know where he's going, everything's going to start falling really quickly and where everyone's going, all right, this is what I'm going to draft. This is who I'm going to sign. This is who oh, we're going to yeah. keep. We're going to keep And then it here. controls the draft on top of it. You know, the Chargers right. get a guy in Tom Brady. Are they picking a Justin Herbert at number seven? Just to develop and maybe how long will Brady will be there for. That's yeah. the other thing. So it, it'll be it'll be fun. It's going to be an interesting free agency, no doubt. You said that, Russo, before we went, went live, you said this is one of your favorite times in sports and free agency. Now, oh, yeah. I 100% agree with you. It's a great time. So, uh, yeah, like I said, Drew Brees expected really to be back with the Saints. So it's one of the quarterbacks that we know. It's New Orleans or he retired, but yeah, he, he's he, coming back. He so. just released a statement saying that, you know, he wants to be with Houdat Nation, you know, for the entirety yeah. of his career. And I, the Saints will respect that, and he'll definitely be back without a doubt. Yeah, there's no question with that one. So uh, some other notable names expected to test for agency. Uh, Jason Peters, longtime tackle for the Philadelphia Eagles left tackle. Jimmy Graham. Uh, spent the last couple of years with the Green Bay Packers. Andrew, I want to get your thoughts on that. Let me finish the rest of these players. Melvin Gordon, who had a couple of problems at the beginning of the year with the holdout, and Jadavian Clowney, who was just acquired to the Seahawks. Those four right now are expected to test free agency. Andrew, I want to ask you about uh, Jimmy Graham because you are a Packers fan. Going to just felt like, you know, I need to ask him, how does he feel? How did you feel about Jimmy Graham's tenure with the Packers, and are you upset to see him leave? Potentially, potentially. I wouldn't say I'm upset to see him leave. When he first came to the Packers, it was like, the Packers never really used the tight end as an offensive weapon before, mm-hmm. usually as a more blocking weapon. So it's like, okay, how will Aaron Rodgers adjust to this? What What is Jimmy Graham going to do? Is he going to be able to perform the way he used to, or are the Packers going to stick to the way that they normally play? And it was like a mix of both. Jimmy Graham was not the star that we expected. He had a few very good games, a few great catches. Mm-hmm. But overall, it's he wouldn't be a, a deal-breaker for the Packers. I, there's mm-hmm. definitely a lot of other weapons they can go to on the receiving end. Exactly. And they could get a tight end that can be a better blocker because that run blocking is something they could really use because Aaron Jones can't do it all himself. Yeah, no, I mean, that's been the problem with Jimmy Graham. Great tight end, no doubt, but always had problems. Like, he wasn't really a blocker. He was kind of more of a, a, a big-bodied wide receiver. So, uh, yeah, no surprise with a lot of these guys, especially with Melvin Gordon, who kind of, like I said, uh, missed a couple of uh, games at the beginning of the year because of a holdout. He did want to come back to Los Angeles, but looks like he's going to test the free agent waters. Most, more likely will be on a new team come 2020 because his teammate, the guy who carried the load while he was gone, Austin Eckler, just resigned today. Four years, $24.5 million with the Chargers. Yep. At the it's time. not surprising. Yeah, not surprising. He uh, not only is a good solid running back, but he's also a good receiving back. Mainly, I think he had more receiving yards. I believe, than rushing yards, I believe. He was I wanna, close to yeah, the, I want to say that. He was close yeah. to the 1,000-yard mark, was a definition of the third down <laughs> pass catching back, really, and kind of showed when Melvin Gordon was gone or even when he struggled that, hey, listen, they have a capable running back that they had on the cheap end when Austin Eckler now resigns there. He looks to be possibly the number one now that Melvin Gordon is probably on the outs there, too. And same thing with Jason Peters. He's up there in age, but he could say he's still a solid left tackle. Was that for Philadelphia for the past couple of years? Helped them win a Super Bowl. And then Jadavian Clowney. Uh, C- Seattle traded for him, did very well for them, I believe, this past yeah, no, year. no, he had a good year. So, um, But he wants to get more money, uh, which is kind of expected. So we'll see. Maybe Seattle maybe wants to bring him back, kind of rebuild that defense with Bobby Wagner. So those are the, really the four main free agents now that have been announced. Yeah, outside of the quarterbacks, obviously. Outside of the quarterbacks, but the non-quarterbacks, if yeah. you specify. So then we'll see. Uh, what happens there? Maybe this time next week will be a lot more, and then the week after, obviously, we're going to have a bunch more there. 
other notable names here, Yannick Ngakwe, former fourth rounder for the Jaguars a couple of years back, gets franchise tags, so that means he has he has a one-year deal with the Jaguars, and during that time he has to negotiate for a long-term extension. Uh, last year, I believe he had a holdout in training camp. Uh, I believe, yeah, he did have a holdout in training camp. He wanted to get an extension done, but mm-hmm. I think now he's at the point where he's done with the Jaguars as a mm-hmm. whole as uh, next topic of discussion. Uh, Jaguars earlier this week mm-hmm. traded a cornerback, A.J. Bouye, to the Broncos for a fourth-round pick. They've gotten rid of this entire defense. Uh, They've in a matter of two years, nonetheless, because you got to remember back in 2017, they were literally they were they were anybody play. but Blake Bortles a quarterback from going to the Super they Bowl. They were two plays or a, a drive away from being in the Super Bowl. Yep, because that, of the defense. Yeah, because defense. of the defense and the running game. But with Leonard Fournette, oh yeah, Leonard rookie, Fournette as well. Rookie, yep. Yeah, because you and I agree with you. If they had any other quarterback, <laughs> if they had Garner Minshew on that team. Yeah, they probably could have made it. I believe, but yeah, yeah, because Jalen Ramsey left. Uh, Telvin Smith uh, retired, I believe. He's not uh, coming Tayshawn back. Gibson, Tayshawn Gibson. AJ, uh, what's his name? AJ Colvin, something like that. Something Aaron Colvin. Aaron, Aaron Colvin. Colvin. My uh, bad. Miles Jack is still there. Achilles Campbell's still and there. Dante but Fowler's not there Dante anymore. Dante Fowler's gone. Marcel Darius is gone. Um, AJ Bouye at the time was a top corner in the league. Underrated. Not oh, yeah. talked on, but now for a fourth round pick. Yeah. That's a big upgrade for Denver, only giving up a fourth-round pick because Bouye is still a solid corner, I believe. Yeah. And probably will potentially replace Chris Harris Jr., which uh, he might leave, he may not. We're not sure what day. Nothing's been announced for him so far. But, yeah, that Jaguars team really is a – it's crazy what happens in two years. Kind of going into shambles a little bit. Mm-hmm. No uh, no doubt there. So, we're going to see what Jacksonville does now. I mean, they also have talks with the, what's going to happen with Nick Foles. That's another quarterback in the in the whole thing. Where is yeah. he going to get traded they wanna, to? Too? Yeah, <laughs> they're looking to get rid of him. Obviously, the major contract in which he signed last season, mm-hmm. uh, but not working out. Didn't even last. Didn't even last a week. Yeah. I, he didn't win a he didn't win one single game for the Jaguars. As one Jaguars week got hurt, came back. Well, Garner went in. Yeah, won a couple of games. Wanted to bring back Foles in right away. Struggled. Went back to Minshew. Finished out the season. So interesting to see what happens there. I guess a little bit of a quarterback battle heading into training camp. Another part. Another one of my favorite parts in sports here too. Uh, Quentin Williams, second year defensive lineman for the New York Jets, was arrested last night, late last night, for boarding a flight in the LaGuardia Airport with an Alabama registered uh gun. This is just this is just stupid. Yeah, like, it, I, it, it's very It's yeah. like how first off, it was registered in Alabama but obviously in New York completely different. But to just but to, board to, a plane in general walk to the airport That's and, what I'm you, saying. Holding that, the, like what do you what are you doing? What did you expect? I mean, listen, what did you expect with that? I mean, it, and I don't know if anything has been necessarily done. I mean, I don't think that anything. Uh, I don't. I don't know if this goes to like prosecution or something like that. Yeah, or, I don't know what's going to. Or happen. levels to the extent in which it happens. I know that he was detained at the airport last night, um, late last night. Mm-hmm. But this is just a stupid mistake, and it doesn't look good. Um, he had a bright, it, had a bright future with the Jets. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I don't even know if I'd say that. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. Fonz, because uh, he's coming out of a draft in which people were saying this guy is the best player in the draft, and this is a draft which included guys of Josh Allen, Nick Bosa, and, and you obviously saw no, guys right, like you're that. Right, you're right. And Quentin Williams was I thought I would abysmal. Figure, I figured was, one of those guys, he would probably make the big jump his second year. Oh, yeah. But now, but I mean, you don't know what's going to happen now. Possible. So he had ammo wanna... in his bag, which made it worse, because now it's considered a loaded gun, even though it wasn't Oh, he had it in his bag. That's more to it. That's... Yeah, he got charged for criminal possession of it, So because it, he actually had it on him yeah it, it, it wasn't just not a smart move no it's stupid Very stupid stupid uh bigger bad decision he's an nfl player bad yeah. decision well 
we'll go to some other news here involving the because the comp might happen this past week. I don't know if you guys uh, caught on to it. They change it up. It's no longer on a Saturday Sunday morning. Uh, it, it was now on like a Friday night, Thursday night, or whatever. And it ended on the Tuesday. Yeah. And on Tuesday during the night. I mean, I don't know how the views did. I, I wasn't able to check it, but I mean, it's weird. It was weird not seeing it on a Saturday morning, waking up and watching the the quarterbacks and running backs do a forty yard dash. But on top of those drills that we've seen, uh, the top prospects go in and meet with potential teams. And one of those guys is Tua Tagovailoa, a guy who we've been talking about, to saying this guy's going to be the next generation of great quarterbacks. Had a meet with the Miami Dolphins. Apparently, it didn't go well. Yep. So what? What? It's crazy for a team like Miami, who that was the before we even like started the season, we were saying the Dolphins are just going to tank for two at this point, and now to get to this point, I mean, from what it is a Tua, meeting, it is a meeting. So Miami, yeah, Miami stands at the number five position right mm-hmm. now, and you know this is the thing that I love about this draft is that outside of the number one pick, and I can't even say the number one pick, I don't think any player is guaranteed to go anywhere. I don't think I can look mm-hmm. at this draft pool right now and say, that's going to be a definite. Maybe Joe Burrow. But uh, I, I, think, I, I think Joe Burrow's 99.999%. I can still see uh, the way he, he's been acting, doesn't want to participate in the combine at all. And you some see of the drills. a lot of the top picks doing that, though. That's the thing. You've you've seen that before. The top picks really don't, because they know they're the top they're the top. Well, no, guy. no, most of the time you most of the time, if if you're one of these top picks, what they choose to do is they choose to withhold from either a bowl game or a championship game. But after the season that he was having, obviously he wasn't going to be doing that, you know, throwing seven touchdowns in a game, making it look easy. Mm-hmm. But for him to withhold, again, I don't have a problem with that. But some of the questions and the ways that he's answered, it doesn't necessarily sound like he wants to be the next Bengals quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, but getting into the depth of things, you know, the Redskins have – uh, alluded to the fact that maybe Chase Young isn't a guaranteed at the number two overall pick. There's been rumors in which they could potentially draft Tua and have him compete against Dwayne Haskins, which I think would be the most, would be the dumbest thing the Redskins. I mean, they've done a lot of boneheaded moves, but now I think they got a lot of people in position. Ron Rivera is not a not a dumb guy. No, they he's got, not. Yeah. But I don't think. I mean, yeah. you just drafted Haskins high up in the draft. I think you should develop him for another year. And remember, yeah. you still have Alex Smith, who came back from it. I mean, we'll see what happens, but potential that you can have both of them there yeah why are you going to add another quarterback when there's so many other needs that they they another so many needs that they need not to repeat myself there on top of that's the what fact. the jets did for a few years they just kept drafting quarterback after quarterback hoping this guy's <laughs> going to come out of nowhere and trading up for christian hackenberg one. i remember that too the yeah. hackenberg with the, the one of the biggest head scratching moves and well a lot of jets have probably made a lot of them so oh, that's yeah. one no, of them too listen but. you look at their draft picks outside of jamal murray <laughs> over the course of the last five years it's, jamal adams you mean Jamal Adams. Jamal Murray. got basketball on the mind. Hey, we'll, we'll get to basketball. We'll yeah. get to, speaking of basketball, I see a couple of comments here. Albert Donor, really a Knicks jersey? Yes. A Mitchell Robinson Knicks jersey. We'll get to basketball later. Uh, Anthony Cavasini says, I love that Knicks jersey. Keep repping. Thank you. See, so I got half and half here. Listen, there's got to be jersey. some loyalty in New York. <laughs> uh, we'll, get, we'll get to the Knicks uh, later. But more, some more NFL stuff quickly before we head to break. The Cleveland Browns are willing to trade Aldell Beckham Jr. for more than what they traded him for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, that's that's literally, you I know, reports coming out uh, by Adam Schefter and all these other sources that... I saw you know, that, I'm like, there's no They're way. willing <laughs> to do it, and uh, I, you could say, you know, you look at the Cleveland Browns situation, and you say, is it, a, uh, uh, is it a problem with the amount of weapons that they have, not knowing how to distribute the ball? Is it a Baker Mayfield thing? Is it the fact that Freddie Kitchens was terrible? And let's give... Uh, 
uh, Stefanski a chance I, as the new head coach. You got to give him a chance because Odell is so talented. I yeah. mean, let's just see because Freddie Kitchens. I mean, I mean, he's never been in a good situation. He's really never been in a good situation. That's what I'm saying. That's why it's that's why it's difficult to judge. But I understand uh, what they come from. But in my personal opinion, I think that they do need to uh, get rid of a piece, whether it's a Jarvis Landry or if it's a maybe a. And uh, Joku, even though that is their starting tight end, it's just because they have so many athletic guys who just need the ball in their hands at all times. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Nick Chubb back. and Kareem Hunt. It's just so many. You would think that's an automatic twelve-win team, but this team struggled offense, two, to get to the, like the seven, six wins that they two wanted to finish. Running with. backs that can get a thousand yards th- easily. Two or three receivers that could probably get a thousand if Njoku like stayed healthy or whatever. But yeah, well, we'll see what Cleveland does. Uh, another team looking to possibly trade the Giants. Genesee trading former first-round pick Evan Ingram due to being injury-prone. I mean, I, I know mean, you're the Giants fan this here. Is, this could be interesting, and somebody mm-hmm. brought this up to me and uh, said um, that the Jacksonville Jaguars might potentially be a spot, and they alluded to the fact that the Jaguars are a team that uh, has not had a tight end, but we saw last season that they do have some decent offensive pieces around them, whether it was Chris Connolly, uh, DJ Chark, uh, Leonard Fournette, but they didn't have that tight end position. Yeah. On That's top of the fact that years. Yannick Ngakwe, it seems like for the past month plus, is that he's been posting all this giant stuff and basically alluding to the fact that he wants to become a giant, but he can't because he can't test free agency doing, being due to the fact that he's being franchise tagged. So potentially, obviously, I'm not comparing the value in which Ngakwe has compared to Ingram, but to potentially build a uh, a trade um, a trade pieces uh, to potentially build the trade uh, for both teams that could potentially work out fair for them. Not bad. Not bad. We'll see what happens. That will be a, a, a trade that will work well on both sides. Giants need a pass rusher. Jaguars need a tight end. Not a bad swap. Before we get out of here, we'll say one more trade. Swap of offensive linemen. Panthers trade former Pro Bowler Tri Turner to the Chargers for Russell Okung. Just a battle or a swap of just offensive linemen. What a way to get free agency started with the trade. <laughs> I mean, Chargers won this all the way. They got a, uh, yeah, they got no. a five-time Pro Bowl guard. Turner's who's such six... a good guard, underrated. Like, no one talks about him as being one of the top guards, even though he's made a Pro Bowl every year in the past like five seasons. And he's six years younger than Russell Okung. Yeah. So it's just, I mean, they won this trade without no, a doubt. No doubt, no doubt. Uh, so good for the Chargers to help whoever is the quarterback for the future there. And on that note, we're going to take a little bit of a break. When we come back, we'll talk some MLB. With Mets and Yankees obviously included. You're on listening to Review and Preview here on Facebook Live. Hello, people. People of the world, if you're listening on your podcast app or right now on Facebook Live, this is Review and Preview. Fonz DeFalco here, Kyle Russo, Andrew Scarpacci behind the board. That was a good first segment. A lot of NFL stuff, even though we're in the not even the official offseason has begun. A lot of ground to cover, Fonz. A lot of ground to cover. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while since yeah. both of us were here, so we needed to catch up on a lot of our sports yeah. takes here. Uh, we got more now because now we got the MLB opening day is set to start in like about a couple of weeks now. Uh, some notable signings or kind of re-signings that have happened: Christian Yelich, former MVP with the Milwaukee Brewers, signs a long-term extension worth two hundred. And $15 million for the next nine years. But the thing is, the deal starts in 2021. He's going to finish out the 2020 season. Uh, and his old contract technically has a club option. They both agree they're going to decline the club option after 20. And then the new extension starts right after. Which, I mean. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that means, yeah. yeah, I'm trying to board that correct. So I was All looking good. at it. I'm All like, oh, okay. So, yeah. Good. So 2021 is when the deal kicks in. Makes sense to them. Makes sense on both sides. Yelich was well okay deserved. for the Marlins. Very good on the Brewers once they he Different landed player. over there. Different player completely. 
has been the face of that franchise, been kind of been one of the faces of the MLB. MLB. Yeah, when Silently. you really think about it. I yeah. mean, this is a guy who, granted, doesn't take that, what was it? it wasn't it like a foul tip off the foot against the Marlins or something like that? Um, middle of August, something like that. Just before the playoff push, everybody thought that the Brewers weren't going to be able to make it. They made it. Then, obviously, the notorious game. You go to the, the wild card game, you face off what now is the reigning World Series champs and the Washington Nationals. All because, um, what's that outfielder's name? Uh, Grisham. Grisham blows the play in the outfield. I believe that was in the eighth inning. Uh, it was a would have been would have been an out, probably thrown out and turned into a double uh, by Juan Soto, uh, allowing a run to come in, and they wound up losing that game. But Christian Yelich is just an absolute animal. Uh, would have won MVP last year without a doubt in the uh, in the NL, and. Um, it's a really friendly contract too. I know it's a. It looks like a lot of money when you break it down. It's about twenty two, twenty three million dollars a year. So that's nothing so exorbitant. That's nothing so massive. It's not like he's throwing around thirty five, something around that range. That sort of massive contract. This is, uh, like you said, Fonz. It's a great contract from mm-hmm. both sides. Yeah, no doubt. This is more than the Brewer, This is more than double than the Brewers have ever given anyone. They gave Ryan Braun about one hundred six. And that was the biggest contract the Brewers have ever given. So now this shows Brewers fans, who are a team that's never spent money before, hey, we have a player that we want to keep for a long time, and we're going to spend the money we need to keep him. That's a good fact. And I did not know that, so that's really good. So they now have their guy. Uh, another team that made an extension, uh, the Chicago White Sox, signed third baseman Yoan Mokata to a five-year extension worth $70 million. Has a club option after the contract. Now we'll kick it up to $90 million. White Sox are one of those teams. I mean, I know we'll talk about early predictions in a little bit, but that's a team you should definitely keep an eye on. They have the, the guys like Tim Anderson, who I'm a huge fan of, yep. and they just re-signed uh, Mokata here. They signed uh, Grandal. Grandal, too. So they're making a lot of moves, and they're kind of Dallas doing— Dallas Keuchel as well. Keuchel yeah. They signed Jose Abreu. They're, they're re- we're saying that's three of the of the four we just talked about in-house like kind of signing. So it's kind of like they're focusing, listen, we have the young core in the clubhouse. Let's uh, let's pay these guys and then add the likes of Keuchel and whoever just to add the little spots, the weaknesses here and there. So, I mean, I'm really looking forward to seeing what the White Sox can do this year. That's a team that I'm definitely going to keep an eye out on. So, definitely a good deal for that one. Uh, some injury news. Chris Sale, the ace of the Red Sox, the number one guy, is dealing with elbow soreness. I believe he will not be – well, he's uh, still questionable for opening day. Uh, nothing really confirming yet, but this is just—it's going to be a rough, rough year for the Red Sox. Yeah, Obviously, I was going to say to lose their manager, losing their stud player in Mookie Betts. You're going to have to rely uh, heavily on the play of JD Martinez and a lot of these younger guys who have not necessarily had to step up the way they may have to now. Obviously, um, Mookie Betts winning the 2018 MVP award uh, was it 2018 or 2019 the MVP award Mookie Betts I'm 18. Sure. It's 18. 18. 18. It's just uh, on top of the fact that they're losing another pitcher in an already weak rotation where it's now you got Chris Sale, but Chris Sale last year was horrible. I believe he didn't even get his first win until June, mm-hmm. something like that. Uh, Nathan Avaldi is still a part of the lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to think who else is a part of this pitching lineup because it went. No more David Price. No more David Price, obviously. And then I feel like I'm forgetting a pitcher at the moment, but. This is just going to be a rough season. It's going to be a really, really rough season for this Boston Red Sox team, and uh, you're you're to see it. Look at and the last two names it. we just mentioned: Chris Sale and Yoan Moncada. Yoan, th- that was the trade that Chris Sale was a star with with the White Sox. That's right. That was the trade, and then Yoan Moncada was a rising star. And Red Sox fans were talking, 
we just got the best pitcher in baseball. Now Yoan Moncada is a rising star, one of the top infielders in the game, and Chris Sale can't pitch a lick now. Well, they got their World Series out of it, so they'll say it's worth it. But it's gonna it's gonna hurt them now. It's gonna hurt them now for sure. I just sure. realized it when I was looking at the sheet. Yeah, I, mean, I did not know that. Again, Andrew, this is why we brought you here. You got you're you're keeping us you're holding us down here with all that stuff. So, guys, before we get to the Yankees and Mets, is there any little, you know, I think in the next couple weeks we'll do more of a serious prediction because it's still a little bit away from baseball starting. So I want to want I don't want to go out there and be like, guys, who's gonna win here? Who's gonna win here? Let's just any. You guys have any like little predictions here and there? Any teams? Like for me, I said the White Sox are a team that I think you should definitely keep an eye on. Um, definitely, maybe my, could win the division um, potentially with the young core they have and the likes of Keuchel too, and some maybe they'll add another veteran there. But is there any predictions, Andrew? You got something? I think Houston falls apart. I think they're. Mm-hmm. I think the first half they just can't figure it out, and then by the second half, I think they do, but it's a little too late. Yeah, no, I, think, I think the A's take it. I definitely, I definitely agree with you with the Astros thing. I mean, I. I think that I would think they would fall apart down the line, but if you're saying right off the bat, it wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me. I mean, we'll probably. I, I mean, mean, just the emotional distress and the and yeah. just the <laughs> hatred that they're going to be getting. Not not even only on top of the away crowd, but the home crowd as oh, well. The home I mean, not can gonna... you imagine what the home crowd's going to react to this? I yeah. mean, it's not going to be good. It's not going to be good. Can you imagine and... going to, to Yankee Stadium. Oh my God! No, I, can't <laughs> I actually would... see the problem with that. Would... The problem with that scenario is, unfortunately, they don't come to Yankee Stadium until the end of September, which stinks, but. Oh, I'm going to try to believe, go to one of those believe games. Believe me, believe me. Yankees I'm going to try fan, to go one of those games. There's no question Yankees fans, everybody oh, will remember. They're going to remember exactly. They have that date circled on their calendar. I would not be surprised if you see something like the, uh, like the what is it? I'm trying to think of it, uh, the ALCS back in the day where the Yankees fans just start throwing stuff on the on the <laughs> field. I really would not doubt it. You're going to see, a, what about um, opening day with the Astros? How many times are they going to get pitches thrown at them? Oh, I, really? think they, I think they even play the Angels too, so Mike Trout is going to be throwing it's gonna be a bad. It's gonna be a bad. It's gonna be a bad next couple of years for this. Team. Can anybody this see is... uh, Carlos Correa's interview with Ken Rosenthal? He was trying to use logic and reason to defend why they deserved the title in 2017 against the Dodgers. He was trying to say two of the games they won were on the road, so they couldn't steal signs then. One of the games they won. <laughs> one of the games they won in Houston, the Dodgers fell apart defensively, so that has nothing to do with them stealing signs. <laughs> and the fourth game was they scored all five runs. It was a five-three game, I believe. It was game two. In one inning, but all the, there was always a guy on second base. So they only stole signs at home when there weren't guys on second base. So they admitted yeah, it. But what about the <laughs> runs? In, what about the runs in which you scored that allowed you to overcome the other opposing team's lead? Well, he's trying to say two of the games that they won were on the road, so that doesn't count. One game was all of Dodgers defense blowing apart, so that doesn't count. And the one and all the five runs when the guys were on second, what, that what, so they what, won those four they, games the right way. How do they? How do they explain? Even though Clayton Kershaw is notorious for being not a good playoff pitcher, but how? I mean, the ultimate breakdown and really which broke the camel's back of Clayton Kershaw just absolutely getting shell shocked and really what gave the World Series to the Astros. Well, it was obvious because Clayton Kershaw threw. Uh, 47 or around in the 40s between sliders and curveballs, and he has one of the best breaking balls in the game. However many breaking balls he threw, zero swings and misses on the day uh, because s- they knew it was coming. I'll say this. So we said that was Correa, right? Talked to Ken Rosen. Correa, yeah. Correa. I, I, I feel like he definitely prepared that statement. Oh, like when no, he, he talk- wrote it out. Well, when he he's talking to Rosen, he's like, all right, this is what I'm going to say. This game, this is what happened. This is what we had. This, 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 and that. I, that sounds way too, like, written out and thought it's out. It's planned to me, because like, you're you, – Bottom bottom line is the the, the trophies diminished. You you yeah. diminish the you hurt the league more than anything. Oh that's gonna, yeah, it's probably going to turn away a lot of this players. This is the most I've seen on ESPN people talking about baseball, and it's it's a, it's, it's a shame, really. Like really. Like, and on this... top of the fact, I don't know if you guys heard about it. Um, 
but an Angel's employee uh, reportedly was putting some sort of substance uh, substance on the baseballs that pitchers were that opposing teams pitchers were using during the games. And that's being uh, and he just got yeah. fired. It's just being reported. And so it just so that's going to be investigated. That's going to be investigated and, 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 as well. And of course, you got the Red Sox. You don't know their discipline that's going to happen there because they still haven't announced any Red Sox discipline, did they? Or am I? Yeah. Am I no, they haven't. Well, other than the fact that they fired well, Cora, Cora, but, Cora's the only yeah, but, but that's about it. And I, then uh, Cubs, Chris Bryant said, you know, Ashes aren't the only team that definitely cheated. Yeah. So now it's going to be a thing. Now you're going to see this. I they, mean, he's not wrong, and that's oh, why no. it's it's diminished the game because it's like you always knew that it was there, but until yeah. it was blatantly until the in Astros the face. thing. Listen, people rooted for the Astros at the time because when I they rooted won, for the that Astros. Was, that was a that time, was right off the hurricane. Hurricane yeah. that, and also when was the last time they won? Or was that their first? Yeah, it was, was the first. first. So everyone wanted to root for them, like, oh, like, finally, the first, the city got their first World Series title. This is great. No doubt rooting for them. And then now it's like, oh, like, it just leaves a bad taste in your mouth when yep. you really think about it. And Correa pretty much called his owner ignorant because uh, after, during the interviews at the start of spring training, the Astros owner said it didn't have an effect on the game. So then, in that same speech, didn't he then say that, oh, well, we're going to win another. Yeah. He, he basically stepped on his own words. He said that... Um, it was something along the lines like uh, it didn't affect the game, but um, it, it it didn't help us in the World Series at all. But then you question like, well, if it didn't help you and you were why'd doing you it, do then it? why'd you do it? Then yeah, it's, what what competitive reason would you have to do that? It, it's all over the place. So then Ken Rosenthal asked Correa, well, what do you think about your owner saying this? And Correa's response was, He's not a baseball player. He doesn't truly understand how much it affects the game. That's just so now rude. he's he's calling his owner ignorant. So would you rather have an owner that's blatantly lying or an owner that's ignorant? Neither's good for the game of baseball because we either have a bunch yeah. of rich guys just doing it for profit or they're purposely lying because he does understand what they did. Listen, the good the good owners, yeah, some of them might not know baseball, but they hire the guys that know yeah. the game and they just go, "All right, I provide the money. You guys." I'm letting you guys have yeah. control in doing it, but that this well, they don't even have that anymore. Because remember, during the during the playoffs, I believe there was a scandal within the Astros organization with their actual GM, in which they had to fire. Yeah, so because they don't even got that. But, it's uh, gonna be a mess for them, no doubt. It's gonna uh, be horrible. It, it, that, that's a that's a. I think players are gonna want to leave. Like once everyone's contracts is up, with the exceptions of Altuve and Springer, the guys who have been there their whole careers and were a big yeah. part of it. But it's gonna be tough for Bregman to find another job, I think. But he, I don't think he wants to be. He's still yeah. young, so he can rebrand himself yeah. somewhere else. Altuve and Springer are too old to mm. rebrand themselves. Let's just say this: Garrett Cole left at the right time. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Because no, because uh, nothing's going out with him. With the at least from the he Yankees, he can rebrand himself now. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, before we jump to the Yankees itself, we post something on review and preview. Uh, the St. Louis Cardinals over under eighty six point five wins. Their record in 2019 was 91 wins. This is according, I believe, this is on MLB on Fox. They posted their graphic. We posted it on our page just to see. Uh, James and Tom both believe that they're going to go over the 86 wins. Uh, I'm going to agree with them. I think they'll probably hit the, the 80, 88, 89. They're going to go around the same record, I think, around 91. So that was something that we saw on our Facebook page, which always you can check out. We kind of have some stuff on there, and you can definitely join in our discussions. Do you guys think be over under 86.5 wins before we move on to the Yankees? Um, it's going to be tough. It's mm-hmm. going to be tough because I think the division got a lot tougher. Mm-hmm. I think that Milwaukee now having a healthy Christian Yelich and also – uh, a team that's really been built together because uh, you got to remember last season, I believe, was Christian Yelich's really first. No, th- that was his second season with the team. Second season, second. Now this is his third season with the team. He's under contract. They got a a great surplus of players to build around and compete against. Uh, even the Chicago Cubs, they now have a new manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't know whether or not they're in the rebuilding phase or they're on the path of 
uh, kind of breaking up, as you heard talks in which maybe Chris Bryan could be leaving in the future, Anthony Rizzo leaving in the future. I even heard talks at one point when free agency was first starting that Kyle Schwarber could potentially be packaged along with something. Maybe a Wade Davis would be going as well. Um, but you'll see. I mean, the, the St. Louis Cardinals went very far last year in the playoffs. So I, it's only a matter of time. Do I think they're going to win 86 and a half? Uh, put me in for 86. The Reds, for 86. Uh, the Reds are also trying to make a push this year. So that they- yeah, The Reds also signed a – who else? The, the Reds signed Moussakis. I know they signed him. Uh, they had a fantastic rookie who was coming up last year. Absolutely. Aquino. Yes, yes. Um, who else do they have? They have Joey Votto's going to rebound. And now they got struggled. a full season of Trevor Bauer for whatever yeah. that is, but because mm-hmm. Trevor Bauer is just um, they feel like he's more focused on what's going. He's on more with the focused commissioner. on just <laughs> insulting Rob Manfred than actually playing the game. But yeah, but we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Uh, let's before we go to break, let's do a little bit of the Yankees. Let's talk yep. about that. Let's talk about your guys' team. Bruce is wearing a Yankees hat. Uh, Andrew, what jersey is that? What Yankee jersey is that? Mariano for Rivera. Ah, uh, the legend himself. Very, very disappointed. Very, very disappointed in this team. It's... Uh, well, well, we'll say this. All right, so we got Luis Severino, who I like. You know the Mets fan will say this. I'm a fan of him. He will not play this season, which is upsetting because I wanted to see him pitch. Oh, yeah. uh, believe it was Tommy John surgery. He's going to get Tommy John. Yeah, so, he did get Tommy John. So he did get the Tommy John. So obviously that means you're out for the entire season. Unfortunate. He was... Uh, I believe going to be your number two. Two. He's two, number two. Two behind, obviously, Garrett Cole. Uh, James Paxton, who is going to probably move up in the lineup. He's going to be number three. And then now looks like he's gone down because he has a undergoes microscopic lumbar disectomy with a removable cyst. That was a long one. I know. I had a, I, I, When I typed it, I'm like, oh, God, how am I going to pronounce this whole thing? Six, uh, three to four month recovery. So we most likely will be missing the beginning part of the season. Hopefully not too long because mm-hmm. uh, Brian Cashman has It was three to four months he... from when he got it, not from now. Okay, yeah, okay. He got it. Yeah. I think he had the surgery about three weeks ago, almost a month ago yeah. already. Um, but he had successful surgery. Brian Cashman says that he's on pace to return and you know be healthy, not for the start of the season, Mid-of-May, obviously, but may only miss maybe a month, maybe a month and a half. So hopefully we see him mm-hmm. around the May, June area. Um, but with this news, obviously, it, it questions, it makes you question what does the Yankees team potentially do with the rotation? You know, because now you have, because what people aren't really talking about is what does this do now to Garrett Cole? Because this is going into the season, this was going to be a solid, a solid. You could argue probably the oh, yeah. best best rotation in baseball. I know the Mets may have that acclaimed over the course of the past couple of years, but Garrett Cole, Luis Severino, uh, James Paxton, Masahiro Tanaka, and then. Mm-hmm. Jordan Montgomery at the five. Yeah, I mean that was that was arguably in my opinion, in my opinion, the best rotation in all of baseball. So it was solid rotation without the injuries. That was yeah, no doubt. Now you go from all that. Now you just got Garrett Cole, Tanaka, and Jordan Montgomery, and who's good. And Loizaga or yeah, and maybe even there's been talks about potentially Garcia. bringing up Garcia, potentially Michael King, potentially. But it really leaves you. It leaves you in a position to believe that they have to be doing something in which they're going to bring up a player yeah. or they're going to uh, sign a player, potentially trade for another pitcher, because what this does now is this, uh, as opposed to Garrett Cole pitching maybe once a week, he's going to potentially have to pitch maybe twice a week, which you don't want. You don't want, if this guy's going to be with you nine years, obviously, listen, it's not going to be as successful all those nine years. Pro- you ho- hope when you sign this contract that it's going to be good for six to seven of those years. Yeah. You would the, more, the more uh, you have this guy throwing the ball, the less tenure he's going to have at a successful and high level, mm-hmm. especially when you need him the most. And that's to eventually win a World Series. And at the start of this season, uh, not even on the list right now, 
of Giancarlo Stanton, scratch him in for an injured player as well. Yeah. It's, it's just not looking good for this team from top to bottom. And you could only hope that from what you saw with last season, how they uh, strived through uh, injuries, some of 30-plus players going on the IL throughout the course of the season, you could only hope that they had the same success. The problem is, is that last season, if you noticed, none of those guys that got injured were pitchers. Mm-hmm. So even though the pitching rotation was poor, it was still good enough with the supplied amount of bats in which they had. Now you don't necessarily have that pitching that you once had, so now you got to, on top of the fact that you're missing two of your best bats for a substantial amount of time. Aaron Judge, I know it says that he fractured his rib and that he could come back this season, but I could totally see this being the same way that Miguel Andujar was last season, how they said he's going to play through it, he played a couple games back, and then he just opted in for surgery. And I could potentially see the same thing with Aaron Judge. Andrew, uh, can you potentially see the same thing? Yeah, Tanaka just went from the four-pitcher to the two-pitcher, so now we have to either find Loisega or, yeah. or maybe call somebody up like uh, Garcia or anybody. And then on the batting side, we lost almost our entire outfield. It was supposed to be Hicks, Gardner, and Judge. Now Hicks is gone. Gar- Hicks is coming off Tommy John as well, yeah. right? Yep. Um, Hicks is gone. Judge is gone at least for now. So now our only starting outfielder left is Gardner. Gardner. So it's probably going to be Talkman and left and Clint Frazier and right. Maybe they, they were talking about putting Andujar and left. I don't know how that's going to go. I w- I've been hearing talks about potentially adding a guy in Yasiel Puig to play right field potentially. Um, Clint Frazier, I have no problem with him being in the lineup. But uh, we I think we talked about this a few weeks ago when um, the injuries to Judge and Stan had first arise was that because Stan is out, they could take advantage of that fact, knowing that Stanton was never going to play the outfield to begin with. He was just going to be an everyday DH. That could potentially be Clint Frazier's role with this team because he's a liability in the outfield, but he still could give you 20-something home yeah. runs as well as a batting average yeah. of probably around 270. 270. Yeah. So I think Duhar is probably going to become the DH as of now because I would much rather have Frazier out there than Andujar. At third base, you feel no. Like... I would much rather have Frazier and right. Than, oh, okay, okay. And then Talkman and right, and then a Duhar yeah. left. No, you're right. Because Urshel is the third baseman. That's not. That's yeah, not without changing. a doubt. Yeah. So on top of uh, Judge, also expected to miss. Will miss opening day with a fracture. So the injuries keep piling on. You know what? This actually transitions to the Mets before we go to break. I'll say this. So we'll do it quickly. Uh, Steven Matz potentially on the trade block, and there's rumors that he could go to the Yankees. Would you guys want to have a guy like Steven Matz? Because no. first, I think as a Mets fan, I think he's been very inconsistent. I can't. I mean, I liked him when he came up, and then just been up and down, up and down the whole time. And it's like I think we just need to move past him. Uh, potentially, he could join the Yankees. That could be maybe. I mean, so you wouldn't want him at all. I mean, unless you could get him for absolutely nothing. But it, and I'll never forget it. Uh, the fact that the uh, at one point in time the Mets refused to give up a guy in uh, Lucas Duda or a guy in um, oh my god, oh god. Bruce, what's his name? Um, Jay Bruce. Jay Bruce. Jay Bruce. Jay Bruce. Yeah. Jay Bruce's name. Uh, the, the fact that they himself. refused, <laughs> the fact that they refused to trade a guy like that or both those guys to the Yankees just to contribute to them winning. On top of the fact, I'm not saying that that be the same case scenario now, but any trade that goes on between the Mets and the Yankees, uh, one of the teams is going to look to rob one another, and neither of these teams, I don't think, is dumb enough to fall for something like that because anything that's in the prospect pool of the Yankees right now, I would not give up for Steve Matz at this point in time due to the fact that he's inconsistent, he's hurt a lot as well, and he really hasn't proven himself as a guy. Maybe if he was a Yankee, he'd be a – I don't even know if I'd rank him above Jordan Montgomery at that point. I'd move Jordan Montgomery to the three and put him at the four, or maybe vice versa. I don't know how you would fill out that rotation, Andrew, but that would be my personal opinion. But I wouldn't want to trade – 
for Steve Matz. I'd rather get somebody uh, better, somebody that's been consistent, somebody, somebody that's been healthy, or give one of the younger guys some playing time to see what you have because the more you play him, maybe the more he could be a part of your consistent rotation because this Yankees rotation is, you know, this is this is what's scary about this rotation is that on paper it's ridiculous, but this is only going to last the season. James Paxton's a free agent. Uh, Masahiro Tanaka's a free agent. So that's that's your number three and maybe your number four right there that could potentially be leaving in free agency. So you have to see what you have in your young guys just to maybe say these are the guys for the future or we could trade these guys for other assets starting pitching in today's league at this moment because we're ready to win now and not looking to continuously build, in which they have been. It seems like the Yankees have been in that building phase over the course of the last five, six years. But I think they've figured out their team. They've just been struck with the injury bug, and uh, that's really what's killed them. No doubt. Uh, so before we get out of here, I'll say this. The 1969 World Series hero, Jerry Kuzman's number 36, will be retired by the Mets this season. Well-deserved, no doubt. Obviously won the World Series for them, a two-time All-Star. So definitely congratulations to him with that one. And on that note, we're going to take a little bit of a break. We're going to come back. We're going to go with our Team of the Week, Player of the Week for the NBA, talk some NBA stuff, and we'll go some college basketball and hockey down later in the show. You've been listening, guys, to Review and Preview here live on Facebook. Everybody, we are back here, Facebook Live. How's the audience doing over there? How are the podcast listeners going? It's Fon Stefalco here hosting Review and Preview this week. Kyle Russo right next to me here. Andrew Scarpacci behind the board manning things down. About one hour down, just a little bit under for now, but we're going. We did a lot of good NFL and MLB talk. Now we're going to get to some NBA talk. But first, we're going to do our Team of the Week. As per tradition, every week we pick out a team who did, who was our Team of the Week. As simple as that. Uh, Russo, would you like to go first? Yeah, I'm going to go to, uh, to, to the ice. I'm going to pick the Philadelphia Flyers. Oh. They have won eight games straight. Sermatic uh, to 16 points uh, total for them over the course of the last Week plus, they've beaten some, a lot of difficult teams. They beat the Rangers this past weekend, uh, Friday and Sunday. They've beaten the Capitals, the Carolina Hurricanes the other night. Uh, a lot of in-division teams in which they've been able to beat, and I believe they're tied now for first in the Metropolitan Division with the Washington Capitals for that number one spot. So that's going to be my team of the week, the Philadelphia Flyers. It just seems like since the trade deadline, they've virtually been unbeatable. Not bad, not bad. I'm going to go with the Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah. Um, on top of that, I mean, if we're not just going this past week, because uh, I'm going to count for the wins they had last week too against the on the show. They were now uh, they've been a uh, seven and one yeah. since the last time we did a show. I mean, they had that one bad loss against the Grizzlies that was a little bit bad, but after that, I mean, they were beating the likes of Boston, the Pelicans with Zion Williamson, a Golden State, yes, but this they're a bad team now. But and then against the New Orleans again, I'm looking at it, Philadelphia. So the likes of LeBron James and Anthony Davis leading the way. Uh, 47 and 13, first in the Pacific Division. Now, I believe first now officially. Well, now it's all up there first in the conference. So, I mean, this team is still a LeBron, despite his age, still playing at a very high level. So that's my team of the week, the LA Lakers. Scarpacci. I got to go with uh, the LA Clippers. They're on a six-game winning streak, and they're second in the conference behind the Lakers. But they uh, they're they're grinding it out. Like they've been at second for a while, but they they're holding up there by a little bit, and they're making sure they don't fall back. Good, good, good stuff. We got so we got the Battle of Los Angeleses, Los Angeleses. Try to word that out one. So those are our teams of the weeks. And before we get to the NBA stuff, let's do some players of the week. And I think because the NBA season, we'll probably just do most likely with NBA players. Uh, Russo, would you like to start off? Yes, I am going to go with 
Duncan Robinson of the Miami. That's Heat. your guy. That's my guy. <laughs> that is your That's guy. That's my man. guy. Gonna... <laughs> that that he's uh, built himself up from a Division three school, going to Michigan, mm-hmm. undrafted player, uh, grinding through the G League, becoming a Miami Heat player, and this guy is knocking down threes like it's no tomorrow. Uh, plays the uh, I want to say the Orlando Magic the other night, shoots. 12 shoots 12 shots all three pointers makes nine of them yeah uh sets a just an unbelievable story an unbelievable player uh you've seen him obviously uh this past all-star weekend where he participated in the three-point contest been able to develop and really get some playing time with this team who's potentially competing for a championship let alone an eastern conference finals appearance um even starting on this team in which has the likes of bam Adebayo, jimmy butler tyler hero kendrick nunn all these guys, all these up-and-coming guys that have had success in the league. Yeah, no, that's a good – listen, that's your guy. And uh, i got to say, one of my favorite names in basketball, Duncan Robinson. Yeah. Uh, my player of the week – now, the team's not good, but I think ever since his all-star snub has been a little bit on a scoring tear. That's Bradley Beal for the Washington Wizards. Oh, yes. Uh, just from these past four games alone, including the week before that, he had back-to-back 50-point games where they, lost, they lost, but well still, done. 42 points, 34, 35, 29 was his lowest scoring this past week. I mean, yes, we can make fun of the Wizards, but Bradley Beal's not the problem. This guy's oh, making, no. he's the reason why yeah. the Wizards are somewhat staying relevant. And when him and John Wall get back, I'm I'm looking forward to it. If that ever happens. If, that, if it if ever, that happens, ever happens. Because, I mean, they've both been injured at times. We've never been able to see them fully, potentially together in the starting lineup yeah. together. But one day, I would like to see that. Because they're no doubt more one of the more talented uh, backcourts in the oh, league. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. So. When they're healthy, it's it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scarpacci. I will have to go with Kawhi Leonard and stick with my team of the week. Ah, His stats have not been off the charts, mm-hmm. but he's been ke- he's been keeping them in the games, and the reason they're winning, he's consistently scoring 20-plus points, 5-plus assists, 2 or 3 steals every game, playing all the minutes he needs. So his stats have not been off, have not been crazy good, but he's getting the wins for the Clippers. Yeah. You know what? Sometimes the... Uh, Player of the Weeks, they don't line up the box score. As long as they keep the consistency of getting the wins, not bad. So we got Duncan Robinson, Bradley Beal, Kawhi Leonard, our Players of the Week. Now let's get to some NBA news. We'll start off with my Knicks. I mean, I, uh, when, going over the, when going over the rundown, I saw that you neglected to put any stuff about well, the New York team. Well, here's the thing. Here's, here's the thing. If anything, want... if anything that made New York news, it had to... Listen, it had to be this. Here's the thing, Rousseau. It had to be here's this. Here's the thing, Rousseau. I'll take it away. This no, is no, your team. This is just the thing. This is your team. I, A, completely forgot. Two, I don't even want to talk about it because I'm just so <laughs> done with this team. I really, no. I As it's you just, rock. Yeah. As you rock. The next I, I, no, here's I the thing. Done. I love Mitch Robinson, and this is the problem with management does. Why are you not starting Mitch or your young players for Taj Gibson and Reggie Bullock? I'm sorry. They're not the future. Mitch Robinson, Kevin Knox, Frank Nielakita developed those guys. But yeah, no, I just love Mitch Robinson. I had a rocket today. But this oh, he's whole a great thing, player. But he's been one of the, listen, he's been one of their best acquisitions over the past couple of years. Start him. Yeah. <laughs> start, don't start Taj Gibson. I'm sorry. I'm getting all right. So this whole Spike Lee scenario that happened. <laughs> so for the past Listen, lay it all out the, there. For the, this so, is why we're here. So for for a while now, Spike Lee's been going through the employee entrance. Because obviously, um, or more like the celebrity entrance. He's thirty a high, years. He's a, he's a thirty years. He's a highlight celebrity. Of course, he's he should get his own. Ce- yeah. Give so much money to the organization. This is his ticket. Yeah, f- f- friends with probably everybody in the Knicks yeah. organization. Some of the players. Nothing wrong with him going through the entrance. Now, all of a sudden, it's a problem. Yeah, he goes through the uh, elevator up there, and he says security guards waiting for him, saying you need to exit. 
the the arena and go through the irregular entrance. The problem is ticket already scanned and if you guys have been to sporting events you know once you scan a ticket you leave you can't come back yeah so he knew that and so he's like no like he's like, you know what arrest me like my brother charles oakley yeah. so i thought that was pretty funny but now all of a sudden it was a problem so and never we, really got an explanation with it either and why that's the thing too. is a change of policy yet probably the most loyal the only loyal Knicks fans that is that is the celebrity for Knicks fan. celebrity loyal He's Knicks been at fan. Every game over the past thirty years, this man has contributed to James Dolan's pocket so by ten money. million dollars. Listen, even if you had a new dollars. policy, why why do doesn't it? he know? He should be the first. Well, one that's the thing. Him. You tell him like, hey, listen, new policy. You got to go through this one. Um, just whatever. We'll get. We'll take care of you. Don't worry. Don't just be like. Don't mention it to, him, especially for a guy like Spike Lee, but. I don't believe that there was a change in policy. He said that he went to an event on Wednesday. It was like, uh, I guess, a reenactment on uh, To Kill a Mockingbird in which 18,000 young children had attended at Madison Square Garden. And what entrance did he go through? The employee entrance. But Mm -hmm. the next game that he went to, he wasn't allowed to go to it. And that was literally like a day later. Yeah, it's very— It doesn't sit well. It It makes you question— you know, at this point, what are the Knicks organization? What uh, organizational stature are they concerning themselves with? Uh, you know, the fact that you have to fight with a Knicks legend in Charles Oakley, and uh, I, I don't know if you knew it, but they just fought, uh, just um, ended a lawsuit only a couple weeks ago, in which, <laughs> in which Charles Oakley did wind up losing. Oh man! But, and now, this oh, I knew, I knew, and now, oh, I knew. <laughs> and now with Spike Lee, who kind of represents the Knicks in such a positive light, considering his loyalty and what he means to the New York Knicks organization, what he means to fans, yeah. obviously by um, showing how much he means to the fans, the fans' response to this is the Knicks drew the smallest home crowd in over yeah. 13 years after this disagreement Crazy. Spike Lee had with uh, James Dolan. So it's just, it's in a season of such despair and disarray and disgust, uh, is this you got to start fighting with your most loyal fan? This is the thing too. Like I was very, I remember, I was very positive on the Knicks heading into the season. I'm like, all right, we didn't get the Kevin Durant's, the Kyrie's. I think my, Fonz, you might have been the only one. The Zion's, but I'm like, hey, listen, it's all good. We can start. We have young players. We'll play them. Get guys like Marcus Morris, slip them for first round picks, which we did. That which is good. Good. Which is trend. fine. We flipped them. We flipped the veterans for first round picks. Didn't happen. You start the first lineup of the year was Alfred Payton, Alonzo Trier. Taj Gibson and Marcus Morris and Julius Randle, which was fine because you paid him a lot of money. I like Julius Randle too, but Kevin Knox comes off the bench. Robinson comes off the bench. You don't play Frank a lot of minutes to even get him to develop. <laughs> Remember, they drafted him over Donovan Mitchell. That still bothers me to this day. And back to this Knicks statement. Well, one, another thing that bothers you, the fact that um, you guys trade away Chris Porzingis for a guy that you could have drafted in Dennis Smith. That's another hey. guy who doesn't even play. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's my original lineup was, was Dennis Smith Jr., R.J. Barrett, Kevin Knox, Randall, Mitch Robinson, Frank is your sixth man. Just and then have the veterans come off the bench, flip them for picks or whatever yep. towards the season. Yep. That didn't happen. And then this whole thing with the Spike Lee statement. The, the worst part is the Knicks' response to this. And I'm going to read this to you guys. What how the Knicks responded on their official Twitter PR attached to this statement was a picture of the employee of the oh, regular yeah. entrance. Yep. And a picture of I don't know where this guy. This guy must have been like from the box, like taking a picture of him and Dolan, Spike Lee and Dolan shaking hands. This is what it was, and I quote quote. The idea that Spike Lee is a victim because we have repeatedly asked him to not use our employee entrance and instead use a dedicated VIP entrance, which is used by every other celebrity who enters the garden, is laughable. He, th- this is quote-unquote exactly what it is. It's disappointing that Spike would create this false controversy to perpetuate drama. 
He's welcome to come to the garden anytime via the VIP or general entrance. Just not through our employee entrance, which is what he and Jim agreed on last night when they shook hands. Attached to that was the picture of them shaking hands. And then a pit, a random picture, because it wasn't. I think there was snow and it was during the daytime of a yeah. regular entrance. So clearly it was from a Google image where they just, all right, get the first image we see off there. Can like you, you got come on. This you is got to start laughing. Just this is this is a him. legit statement. Just I am smile. not. I am not. You got to smile, man. You can't be angry anymore about this. This I can't. is the Knicks. You know what else? I'm. You know what else? I uh, I'm, I saw the Knicks All Decade Team the other day. <laughs> Do you want to hear the Knicks All Decade Team before oh, it's, we it's, You it's know, because I have to keep talking it's about terrible. it. It's terrible. It's terrible. It's what I think. Raymond it was like, Felton. Oh God. J.R. Smith. Definitely Melo. Carmelo. Carmelo Anthony. Christos Porzingis. Those are two fine for the All Decade Team. Yeah. Tyson Chandler as your center. Yeah. Honorable mention backup backup team: Pablo Prigioni, <laughs> Jeremy Lane. Pablo Prigioni had a career average of four points for the Knicks. Let's just throw that out there, people. I know this is off tangent, but I'm really annoyed with this. Jeremy Lane, because that was the best moment of my Knicks tenure. Those two weeks, that was the best moment of my life. Uh, uh, Steve Novak, Steve Novak, oh, man. Amari Stoudemire, who should have been on the first team. That's another positive moment. Where the first. T- 20 games of that him season. Him punching he a fire extinguisher well, cost you the playoffs. Here's the thing. The first month when they signed him, he yeah. was the MVP of the league at averaging 25 and like had 13 rebounds a game. Incredible. And the center, I don't even know who the, oh man, I don't even know who the backup center. I don't even think they had a center. I think it was, oh, Lance Thomas. Lance Thomas. That's all. That's all I'm saying. And I'm, I, this, this is just, how bad of a look is it for the Knicks as we have on the show sheet? Bad. This is bad. The idea, the idea that the Knicks have to act like this is laughable, and I'm quoting it exactly. I'm done. You're so angry. I am very angry as I'm wearing a Knicks jersey, but I can't, like, I don't know. Is that your punishment? This is my – being a Knicks fan is just basically be my punishment at this point. This is is comedy. You're smiling in aggression. All right, Mike DeSanto, friend friend of mine from uh, St. Bonaventure, shout out to him. He's in the comments talking back and forth. Uh, we have your comments. Could the Knicks be the worst franchise in the NBA right now? Mike replies, absolutely, absolutely, but not in terms of talent. Dolan runs them poorly. Thank you, Mike. I Thank you. I'd rather be a bench warmer for the Kings than anyone on the Knicks. I mean, I listen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the point in which players are at. And I think you see that by a majority of the league. Everybody, You notice how everybody notoriously praises the Mecca, but nobody ever wants to take that one foot and step in the water, jump into the pool. And that's the problem with the Knicks is that they have uh, diminished their organization and ruined their franchise so much that the only hope in which they have is the draft well. And they don't do that well either. So it's – I mean, listen, uh, another thing in which is not on the script, but – and I know on top of the fact that we didn't have a show last week, but just to get your personal opinion on it, uh, Fonz, on how much of an impact do you think this will actually make? Because I know there's a lot of um, discretion with it whether or not – it'll actually matter or it's just a person with accolades that probably won't have an effect on the team. But let's see what happens in uh, announcing that Leon Rose is your new president of basketball operations for the Knicks. And he's worked <laughs> with the likes of Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul, oh, man. Uh, LeBron I've heard James. This. I've heard this before with Phil and, Jackson. I've and, heard this before. I'm well, not listen, buying this. Phil Jackson was great for like the first year, two years. He was great. Okay, yeah, because Joe Kim Noah and Derrick Rose, broken Derrick Rose and a Joe Kim Noah. I said the, the first two. <laughs> I said the first two. Don't hurt me. They never even made <laughs> the playoffs with him there, though. Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, my God. They made the playoffs. Uh, they made the playoffs. They did not. They didn't make the playoffs since 2012, I don't think. Uh, the, 13, the, they even made past the first. I don't even remember. 
Russo when man, did Phil Jackson come into operation? You want me to really look this up now? I guess it's going to make sixteen-ish. Yeah. This, oh, I thought he came in in twenty ten. That's my bad. I apologize. I wish he did. <laughs> I apologize. Uh, <laughs> as, uh, as Tom would say, because he's a fan of Kyle Guy, because Kyle Guy was drafted by the Knicks and got traded and then to traded the away Kings. To Sacramento. So he locked it. He lucked out. So that so, is a bench guy for Sacramento. Uh, yeah. So uh, as Mike says, uh, me and him both graduated in twenty seventeen. Shout, shout out, Mike. Shout out, St. Bonaventure. He also said to mention Super Showdown for WWE. I'm not going to do that. Mike, because we both had a discussion on my podcast, and I'm not going to talk about that ever again. Uh, now back to the NBA. I'm sorry, I got a little bit of a tangent there. We're it's done. okay. All Listen, right. I enjoy I enjoy the emotion because that means you care about it. Uh, I don't anymore. <laughs> I feel like I let it all out. Uh, some other notable stuff that happened. Any news that stuff happened in the NBA? Nets make an incredible comeback against the Boston Celtics. Karis LeVert, who's been on fire. As of the past week, another uh, another mention for player I mean, of the week. Listen, too. this 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 team is confusing. This it, team is confusing. But they do have some. They have pieces. some solid young pieces. They got but guys. They got guys like Levert. I just Dinwiddie, don't know. Dinwiddie's underrated. Uh, Jared Allen, who I think is really not getting a lot of credit for what he's been able to do. I think that, and this goes back to your statement about Mitchell Robinson, and not that they're not good players. The problem with their games is that it's so old school. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's hard to transition and really appreciate a big man in today's day and age that doesn't have a, a, a jump shot. Mm-hmm. The fact that they play the center position at uh, in which and how they played, it's not nearly as appreciated as it once was. Mm-hmm. You see the likes of Clint Capella being traded to the Hawks because yeah. it's look at that. It's a center. Clint sleep. Capella after being paid a massive, massive, and massive a do- amount of money, a solid double double machine. Uh, a solid double double machine. Very good. The Rockets rather run a small ball rotation where PJ Tucker is the the, the fifth guy that's in the joke, rotation. That's with a, a joke. Six, a six seven center instead of having a traditional big man. Yeah, that's a joke. And I think in that's kind of the, that's the way in which the league is going because. You're finding these bigger guys who can shoot the ball. Why am I not wasting my time, but why am I going in the direction of more of an old-school type of play? Yeah. Like you're seeing now uh, Dwight Howard working on his three-pointers to, to, to yeah. be in the league a little bit lower. You're going to yeah. see that now. It's, it's definitely going to see that. Mike says here the Knicks should hire Sam Hinkie. Trust the process. <laughs> Fine. I don't I don't care anymore. Hire somebody. It's something, at least. Just make sure they start Mitch Robinson. Uh, but yeah, no, the Nets are all over the place. I mean, I mean, but once next year when KD and Kyrie are back, oh yeah, without be, a doubt, be, it just, yeah, be good. So, I mean, I mean. it's just it's confusing because you you go to TD Garden and yes, Marcus Smart fouled out. Yes, Jason Tatum didn't play. Yes, Kemba Walker was on a minute restriction. But they were still at one point in this game in the fourth quarter with about three minutes left. They were down like 14, 15 mm-hmm. points. Karis LeVert is dropping threes left and right, competing, 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 drops 26 in the fourth quarter alone, scores all 11 points in the overtime, winds up pulling out the win. You go back home on such a high, and you lose by almost 40 to the Memphis Grizzlies. And not that the Memphis Grizzlies aren't a good team, because if the if the season was to end today, the Grizzlies aren't at the eighth spot. Yeah. The problem is, is that Nobody on this team had a fantastic game. You could live with saying, oh, the Grizzlies beat him by 40. That must have meant that John Morant must have dropped 30 points or something like that, had a fantastic game. No, in fact, the highest scoring player on that team was, I believe, John Morant with only 15 points. They had What they did was they shared the scoring a lot. You had a lot of guys score double-digit numbers and have double-digit numbers. And I think when you look at this Nets team, especially because Fonz, as you alluded to, Kyrie is not coming back this season. Kevin Durant's not coming back this season. The Nets should take advantage of this, in my personal opinion, and say to themselves, let's see and distinguish what pieces are good around, are going to be a good fit around Kyrie and Kevin Durant. Like you said, Fonz, the guys like Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, the DeAndre Jordan, uh, Jared Allen, those are the guys in which they're going to keep to build around this Nets mm. team. Or maybe they trade uh, what two I've heard of them. is 
potentially trade guys because what, what seems to happen with this Nets team is that you can't uh, – Spencer Dinwiddie could be a starting point guard on almost any single team in the NBA uh, besides teams that already have an all-star caliber point guard because he's capable of dropping 24 a night if you need him to at the starting point guard position. problem is the Nets already got Kyrie at that position, so you can't start him. And he's too valuable of a player to take him off the bench as a six-man. But what you could do is add a tertiary piece to Kevin Durant and Kyrie by trading a guy with the likes of Spencer Dinwiddie or maybe uh, trading DeAndre Jordan but moving uh, Jared Allen to that next step and keep him as a starting center because that's what I thought they were going to do for the majority of the season, but it seems mm-hmm. like they're doing the direct opposite and starting DeAndre Jordan most of the time or potentially yeah. getting rid of a Karis LeVert maybe. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then the next night they faced off against the Grizzlies and lost by 39 points, like you said. Just up and down. Up, up and, and down, down season. But up this is down. expected when you don't have KD for the year and Kyrie. You don't have a closer. You don't have guys that could uh, continuously keep you within quarters, keep you in the game. Mm-hmm. Definitely be a different uh, a different approach next year. So we'll just see what happens now. Um, I think we're going to take a little bit of a break. Uh, then we come back, we're going to have Tom, the real host of the show, come in and talk about his Milwaukee Bucks and the rest of the NBA. And then we'll talk about the games that have happened this past week and preview the other ones. So, guys, we'll be right back. You are viewing or listening to Review and Preview on Facebook Live. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Review and Preview. I am Fonz DeFalco hosting the show tonight. Kyle Russo right next to me. Andrew Scarpacci doing the ones and twos behind the board. Uh, we're going to have Tom Scavetta, the host, uh, the main guy of the show, calling in. He wants to talk about his Milwaukee Bucks in a second. Uh, so, but right now, we're going to go over some games that happened this past week, some notable ones. On March 1st, the Clippers defeated the 76ers 136 to 130. Kawhi Leonard, obviously the lead man there with 30 points, six rebounds. His teammate Paul George, 24 points, four rebounds, two steals. Just a great one-two duo when they play on the floor together. Very good. Uh, for the 76ers, who would you expect to be their leading scorer? Shake Milton. That's who I expect to be. <laughs> Are you sure about that? Uh, 39 points and five listen, assists. 39 points. Fun fact, because I know how we like to throw some fun facts Russo's out there. Russo's now getting involved in the fun fact Shake Friday. Milton is actually has a higher career uh, point scoring game than Ben Simmons does. Ben Simmons' career high in points is only 34 and he's your starting point guard for the 76ers, everybody. Uh, but Shake Milton, coming out the G League, uh, I believe he had a consecutive streak of 13 threes uh, in a row, not in one game, obviously, but in a row, and um, pretty insane. But uh, we'll see what happens. We'll mm-hmm. see what happens with the 76ers team. You'll see what happens with the 76ers team and what they're able to accomplish. Yeah, uh, I think we're going to be having our caller now, I think, uh Tom Scavetta, is that you? Tom. I guess I guess we lost Tom. I guess we lost Tom. Uh, I guess I guess the, the I guess we lost him. It's all good though. It's all it's right. All good. Listen. Stuff happens. All right. Listen. We'll happens. get we'll get back to the regular games. As you were saying, very good stuff on the sh- is it shock? Shock shake. 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 Shock. Melton. Shake. Uh thirty nine points, five assists, Tobias Harris on top of that twenty five points, four rebounds, four assists. On uh, the same night. Had a lot of good games on March 1st, I got to say. It was a good day in the NBA. The Denver Nuggets defeated the Toronto Raptors 133-118. to This guy, Nikola Jokic, a.k.a. the Joker. 23 points, 18 rebounds, 11 assists. Incredible stuff. You know, Russo was saying before that the, we're getting more of the small ball, but Nikola Jokic is just basically the complete opposite. Passing the ball around is for a big man, which is very good. Uh, Jamal Murray, uh, on top of that, had 22 points and 5 assists. Nice little 1-2 puncher they have there in Denver. Uh, for Toronto... OG Abune with 32.7 rebounds and 7 steals. 
You read that. You read, I've said that correctly. 32 points, 7 rebounds, and 7 steals. Norman Powell was the second man in charge with 24 points and 6 rebounds. We're not seeing Pascal Siakam and Kyle Lowry light up the box score for those two teams. So, But regardless, Denver had a good impressive win. So uh, before we get to Tom again, we're going to try it again. We're going to go with the Lakers defeat the New Orleans Pelicans, and that was a very good matchup. LeBron versus Zion. We'll get to the rest of the stats in a second. We're going to try it now again with Tom Scavetta. Tom, are you there? Hey, guys. What's up? Can you hear me? Yo, Tom, we can hear you loud and clear. I, I believe so. Yes. Tom, can you hear us? Hi. Yes. Oh, Hi, Tom. Oh, Tom, it's great to hear your voice. It's been a while, man. Uh, how's, how's school? Or, well, how's work treating you? I shouldn't say school. Uh, it's going good. We have a hockey doubleheader tomorrow. Um, you know, sitting here at home now and get some work done. But, uh, so I wanted to ask you guys, um, oh, no. about those, uh, Milwaukee Bucks. Oh, you know, Jesus. I've been following the Facebook live stream tonight. <laughs> I know you guys have been depressing yourselves over the Knicks, uh, hence the jersey and line of sight. Um, listen, Tom, but... just get right to it. What is your question about the Milwaukee Bucks? <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you guys think that they have the best defense in NBA history. I, I mean, they definitely. It's definitely in the conversation. I mean, they're they're blowing out these teams by twenty. And Giannis, the probably the MVP, one of the considerations for MVP, oh, no. hands is, down, is hands playing down. only thirty minutes a game because they're winning by twenty in the fourth quarter and they don't have to play him. Oh, Which is incredible. They they built themselves a solid team, Tom. Eric Bledsoe has always been that defensive-minded point guard, not necessarily the, the lights-out scorer. They have their three-point guy to go to in Chris Middleton. Uh, you got guys along the bench uh, that could play defense as well as score. And then on top of the fact, you have a seven-foot-plus freak that moves up and down the court as fast as a point guard and yet could de- defend like no other. Uh, the only guy that I've ever seen that could shoot, not shoot, but score, I guess you would say, like Giannis with the length and size in which he's at and also defend and use that to his advantage would be somebody along the lines of a Kevin Durant, somebody that could find his own shot, get to the basket, score on top of the fact using his length to his advantage and defending the way he can, uh, alluding to the name in which people call him as the freak. That's just what Giannis is capable of being able to do. And I think that's really why when Fon says uh, he's only playing 30 minutes a game, He's playing 30 minutes a game, but also averaging, I believe, around 30 points a game. Yeah. Because he's shutting down teams early. He's not. There's games in which he doesn't even have to come in for the fourth quarter because they're already beating them by 20 plus points. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, 29 and a half points in under 30 minutes a game. Pretty much, that's what it is. Uh, but back to the defensive point. I did a little research before I called in. I want you guys to hear this. Oh, you're prepared. This is the best defense over a single season of all time in the modern league era. They are ranked slightly north of Tim Duncan's Spurs in 04 and Kevin Garnett's Celtics in 08. Opponents are shooting 9.5% worse against Giannis than the rest of the league. Mm -hmm. Giannis also leads the NBA in defensive box plus minus. That's a historical number in itself. And not to mention... The old Iron Man center Brooke Lopez is third on is third in the league in blocks. So you know that him he is fantastic. Ersan Ilyasova is the best player in the league when it comes to drawing charges. That's what he's been good at his whole career. <laughs> and then top to bottom, the bench is just absurd. I mean, you're looking at these guys like uh, they have depth. George Hill, Robin Lopez, excellent defenders. Ilyasova, 
Wesley Matthews, who they acquired in the offseason. You talk about Brogdon, but they compensated for his loss. They haven't missed a step. The only team that's had any sort of success against the Bucks this year, Kyle Russo's Miami Heat. They've uh, beat the Bucks twice. <laughs> no, it's true. That is true. They've been very, very successful. Obviously, the first game, of this, um, the first time they played up against each other, it was only the second, third game of the season. So, uh, nothing really to ride home about from either side of the ball. Obviously, having to build chemistry, especially with the newly acquired players of the Bucks at that time, especially. On top of the fact with Miami uh, running out there with Bam Adebayo as a part of the starting rotation, with Jimmy Butler just being in there, Tyler Hero, the new rookie, Kendrick Nunn being a starting point guard for the Miami Heat to start off the season after not even being on an NBA roster last year, uh, being in the Warriors G League rotation, and now coming to a starting position on a team that could potentially uh, compete in the playoffs and uh, down the stretch. But this past... uh, I'm trying to think. When was the Tom? When was this game in which the Heat faced off against the Bucks? I believe it was Wednesday night. I want to say right. Wednesday or uh, Tuesday? I, no, because Wednesday the Bucks played the Pacers. I want to say, and then the Heat played the Magic at home on Wednesday. So I believe the game was actually Monday. Monday. Yeah, yeah, you're right. No, you are right. Uh, the game was on Monday. It's when I look at this game, it's Giannis was just absolutely shut down and. I wouldn't say if something, if it was, if I'd call it strategic, it was just that it seemed like every time Giannis touched the ball, you would see three Miami Heat vice jerseys swarm Giannis and not allow him to drive the lane. He'd swarm uh, Giannis, force him to take shots. Giannis in this game, Tom, I think he took about five, six three-pointers just to try to see if he could get anything going for himself. Four. He did some Four three-pointers in this yeah. game. Uh, when he was faced up against Bam Adebayo, he shot two of 11 from the field. Um, he just really, really struggled in this game. They had a horrific night from the three-point line. I believe they only finished with around seven, eight three-pointers total made, and shot about uh, uh I think about twenty some twenty twenty percent twenty percent from the three-point line. While the Miami Heat shot around, I want to say what what did the Miami Heat shoot around? Forty-eight percent. Forty-eight percent. They were just yeah. uh, unbelievable shooting night uh, by the Miami Jay Heat. Crowder, Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder was unbe- very good acquisition for them. I think he hit. I, I want to say six threes in the first half. He hit, he hit around five or six threes in the first half of this game, uh, and he really carried the team because the Miami Heat. You saw the Milwaukee Bucks slowly crawling back in the third quarter. You saw it as well in the fourth quarter, and then around the ten minute marker, the nine minute marker, uh, Giannis checked back in the game for a few minutes. And then Budenholzer just said, uh, you know, I don't want to say give up, but they just, Giannis couldn't get anything going. They weren't able to hit down the threes. They weren't able to get defensive stops. So he took out the starting rotation with about, I want to say, five, seven minutes left in this game. And Miami comes out victorious with a final score of 105 to 89. And, Tom, we talked about this a little bit. I think if these two teams were to face off in the playoffs, I would completely agree uh, in favor of the Bucks, and I know that's the route in which you'd probably be um, for as well. But I believe that the, the Miami Heat are probably the best matching up team uh, in the Eastern Conference when it comes to guarding and playing against the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, especially due to the fact that they've really been one of the only teams that has had success against this Milwaukee Bucks team when you look down to the fact that they have minimal losses and 
the Miami Heat own two of those Milwaukee losses. Absolutely. You look at the Miami roster top to bottom, a lot of playoff experience, whether it's Jay Crowder, whether it's Andre Iguodala, Goran Dragic, even Udonis Haslam, who sits towards the end, end of the bench, doesn't play anymore. I mean, to have a guy like that, he's like a player Duncan coach. Robinson, uh, yeah, he's basically another coach for them. Duncan Robinson, the most accurate three-point shooter in the NBA this year. Russo's guy. And then you look at Bam Adebayo, who quite frankly might be the best modern-day NBA big right now. If yep. you're looking at the way bigs are playing, there's not many of those mo- like those old-fashioned bigs left. Maybe Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, but even they're starting to stretch out now and shoot more threes. I mean, it's it's insane what this league has come to. I think Bam Adebayo fits it perfectly. You have a great young core and Tyler Hero, Derek Jones Jr., uh, and, of course, Jimmy Butler as the catalyst of the offense. But when I look at this series, Kyle, here's the problem. They're ranked fourth. They have a lot of uh, room for improvement in terms of climbing up in the standings because they got to get past Toronto and Boston. And with the way it sits right now, they're going to play Milwaukee in round two. There's no way Miami gets bounced by Indiana or Philly, and they're going to beat either of those teams in round one, whoever the five seed is, assuming Miami stays the fourth. But I think they made these trades in an attempt to climb the standings because the problem is if you get yourself in a seven-game series with the Bucs, it's just not going to happen. I mean, the, the, the Bucks are 28-3 and three at home this season. Miami's 27-4. and four. I mean, pretty much the home team is going to win majority of those games, and Milwaukee would have the home court advantage. But the last thing I wanted to talk to you guys about here tonight uh, is the game at 1030 between the Bucks and the Lakers. Uh, how serious of contenders do you think the Lakers are for the NBA Finals? Obviously, I think you could predict Milwaukee a little more based off of the experience from last year, but how serious do you think the Lakers are as NBA Finals contenders? To be honest, I still have the Clippers edging them out. No, I definitely agree because of the because Kawhi and PG, I think, when playing together, one of the best tandems in the league, but you could never really count out LeBron, I think, at this point. I mean... Time and time and t- time and time again, we've always said like, uh, you know, oh, LeBron's done. This is his last year. Uh, even last year, we didn't make the playoffs. All right, his uh, career's over. You know, no longer can be the guy. And he's showing. I mean, they're the number one seed in the West for a reason. Uh, him and Anthony Davis, who are, have been pairing along uh, nicely, and then give him some extra pieces like um, off the top of my head, Caldwell Pope, uh, Rondo, Dwight Howard has been very good for them now. Uh, even uh, uh, Alex Caruso too, uh, a fan favorite. But no, I mean. Tom, I mean, I could definitely agree. I definitely think the Clippers edge them out, but I mean, I think the Lakers still have a because of LeBron. He's playing at a high level at uh, thirty-five, I believe he is. He's thirty-five yeah. years old, and yet somehow he leads the league in assists. That's what at, I'm saying. At the so age of thirty-five, you can't. I can't. I listen. I still can't count him out. It's a very close edge between the Clippers and Lakers. I can't edge him out, but I'm going to have to favor the Lakers, and mm-hmm. it's just on behalf of the fact that the Clippers are just never healthy. I think I've read that's a stat. Also a two, that's also why I'm saying it could be Lakers. I've read, I've read a stat that the Clippers have only played five games all season in which every single one of their guys, you know, main guys, have been healthy. Like the starting five. The starting five has been healthy. Only five games this entire season, and that's got to be scary because Paul oh. George has consistently been hurt. Uh, and... and Listen, we know what Kawhi course. brings to the table. It's just, a it's just that with the acquisition of Paul George, you know, those two forces going together, everybody forgets 
there was a point in time where Paul George was with OKC and he was competing down the stretch for the Defensive Player of the Year and MVP. And he MVP. was in the top three for both. Yep. Which is crazy. I'm going to disagree. I'm going to disagree because not to mention the Clippers have reinforcements on the way. They just went out and signed Joakim Noah today, who's a great defensive big that they could use, uh, you know, 10, 15 minutes a game. And not to mention Russo, you were pushing hard for Kawhi Leonard last year. You were like, when a team has Kawhi Leonard, they win. This <laughs> I, I, man and won I still stand. an NBA title for a Toronto Raptors team. And I think this Clippers team is more built and more prepared to win than the Toronto Raptors were last year based off of strictly who they have as their head coach. And going, I still, I still, Doc Rivers against Frank Vogel. I still, the, I, Western Conference I still stand, I still stand by my Kawhi pick. If I was have to, if I had to bet today, I'd say that the Clippers would wind up winning the NBA Finals. But it's it's based on health, and that's what the question is alluded to. Because the one thing about the Lakers in which everybody's doubted uh, about the Lakers going into the season and knock on wood is the health of Anthony Davis. But so far, we've gotten through a majority of the season, and Anthony Davis has not missed time. Uh, uh, except for a few games in which it was just rest reasons, but he hasn't been injured. And I think that's where it comes down to it being scary is that you get a well-rested LeBron, a healthy LeBron, and a healthy Anthony Davis together. I mean, I think that's where the edge comes over because not that not that the Kawhi uh, tandem with Paul George isn't as good, if not better. It's just that that tandem is never on the court together. It's rarely on the court. If it's together, I'm taking Kawhi and Paul George all day because of what they have on the bench as well. You know, Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell, Landry Shamet, um, all those guys, and just adding Marcus Morris at the trade deadline as well from the Knicks. The depth is better. But it's it's the it's better. It's the depth is better, there's no doubt. But again, there's a factor that's in no statistic. It's it's that one team has LeBron James and that always gives them the edge. And even though the Clippers have a better all around team, the fact that they have yet to be healthy and we're only a month away from playoffs, it has to be a question to be asked on whether or not that they could be favored over a team that's relatively been healthy. And even though they don't have the depth, they still lead the Western Conference in most wins this season, somehow. So the that's, Lakers weren't even in the playoffs last year. The, the Clippers were in the playoffs last year. With, but the Lakers, weren't, the Lakers weren't in the playoffs because LeBron James got hurt. LeBron James missed over... A month and a half worth of basketball. It's not because LeBron James got hurt. It's because they had nobody around them. It's the same exact reason. You <laughs> need a second star in today's NBA. Not a second star, but you need a second player that's going to give you between 17 and 22 points a game, night in and night out. That's why Portland got as far as they did. That's why Utah is going to advance around this year, in my opinion. I mean, you're going to see you need a second star. I'm not saying you're wrong. It's a valid point, Kyle. Don't get me wrong. If there's one guy that can do it, it is LeBron James. But look what happened with Toronto. Why did they win the NBA Finals? Because a second star emerged. Pascal and the name Siakam. Pascal Siakam. And then, not to mention, Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet as well. The Lakers didn't have that. That's why they weren't able to get into the playoffs. I mean, again, look, it's all it's apples and oranges at the end of the day. And look, I mean, bottom line is it's going to be one of these two teams. I think we could both agree upon that. Yeah. Based on what we've seen yeah. from, again, granted injury does play a factor, but from what we've seen from both of these teams down the stretch, and 
uh, with this season. I think we could agree that it's going to be either one of these teams coming out the West. But, Tom, if you go to the Eastern Conference, can we lock in the Milwaukee Bucks going to the Eastern Conference Finals, going playing in the NBA Finals this year? Um, I pretty much have them locked. Uh, my my only thing is, look, I, I at this time, it's easy to say on paper it's going yeah. to be Milwaukee and Toronto again, mm-hmm. but do not count out the Miami. Heat. I'm, I'm not. I'm just saying that too. If any team, if any team in the East could beat, could take them at least to a seven game series in the conference finals, it would be Miami. I think Toronto, Toronto and, maybe, but I think more with Miami. And I'm just telling you something right now. Those Memphis Grizzlies are still in the mix as well. Yeah. They're a scary young they team. They're a scary young team. They are from Tennessee. Tom. Oh, yeah. Come on, on, Tom. That note, I'm going to let you guys go. Enjoy <laughs> the popcorn tonight. Get it out there. Watch the Bucks. Watch the Lakers. Watch some good basketball this weekend. Conference tournaments going up. Go Sharks. Good luck against Robert Morris tomorrow. Mm-hmm. See you guys. Thanks a lot. See you, Tom. Always good talking to you. Ah. And that was Tom, the host of Review and Preview, the original, the OG. Likes to call him, give his takes, and he did with the Milwaukee Bucks, and he's looking forward to them. And I think, and you know what, it's going to be, I agree. I think out of all the teams in the, before we get to the rest of the games, uh, what happened this past week, um, out of all the teams in the East that can go up against the Bucks in a seven-game series, I think it's Miami. Toronto, yeah. maybe. I don't think Boston can take them to seven. I still don't think Miami's coming out victorious. I think that. Oh no, no, no I'm not it, saying. It, but I'm it saying goes six or seven. I don't think that I any think team is going to be able to take. At a team that can take them to a seven-game yeah. series, I think it could be oh, Miami. Yeah. Could give them a run for their money. Yeah. Um, so before Tom called, I was in the middle. I was do the rest of these games. Yeah. Then we'll talk about. Then we'll go to a break. Lakers defeated the Pelicans. LeBron versus Zion. The Pe- well. The right now versus the future. You know, one legend to a potential another. LeBron won the game 122 to 114. LeBron had 34 points, 12 rebounds, 13 assists. Triple double. Quiet, a quiet triple double for LeBron. I feel, like it, I feel like it's just a guaranteed every time. Kyle Kuzma off the bench. Uh, actually, he started this game, excuse me, 20 points and four rebounds. From New Orleans, despite the loss, Zion had a great game with 35 points and seven rebounds. And then Alonzo Ball was acquired, uh, acquired last year in a trade 19 points, nine rebounds, and nine assists. Not bad. I had to throw this out there because uh, it was a good moment for me. The New York Knicks defeated the Houston Rockets. Yes, you heard that correctly, everybody. The New York Knicks defeated the Houston Rockets. RJ Barrett, 27 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists. Thank you. Julius Randle, 16 points, 16 rebounds. Beautiful. Harden with 35 points and 8 assists. Westbrook with 24 points and 9 assists. And I had to throw this out there for you. March 2nd. Your Miami Heat defeated the Milwaukee Bucks. We just talked about it. It was just such a beautiful <laughs> display of, of defense, of three-point shooting. The game literally could not have gone any more perfect. But that's where the question does arise, is that the game virtually went perfect, and yet the Heat were only able to score 105 points. I mean, and that's not to not to say that's not a lot of points, but mm-hmm. uh, on a team on, like the Milwaukee Bucks, who is notorious for dropping 120 on you, Giannis Antetokounmpo dropping 30 just by himself, it makes you wonder. Because, like Tom said, they historically had one of the worst nights ever, three-point shooting-wise. Giannis could not find it. This was Giannis's worst um, offensive game all season. This was the least amount of points. Yeah. This was the least amount of points that he scored in a game all season long. Yeah. It was against the Miami Heat. Actually, I think this tied with another game. But, wow. again, one of his lowest-scoring games 
of the entire season mm. when the man is dropping 30 points in 30 minutes. <laughs> uh, before we get to break, I'll say the stats what they did. Jimmy Butler, 18 points, 6 rebounds, 7 assists. Jay Crowder off the bench, 18 points, 4 rebounds, 4 Woo! assists. Great addition. I love Jay Crowder. Huge fan of Jay Big Crowder. Uh, from Milwaukee, uh, Brooke Lopez, who's really scored with 21 points, 6 rebounds, and not Antetokounmpo. 13 points. We did have 15 rebounds. So we did provide. Listen, couldn't get the points. Get right the on the offensive other end. Hey, defensive boards. Had, had a, listen, sometimes you're going to have one of those games. Yep. And on that note, we're going to take a little bit of a break. We come back, we're going to go over the upcoming games, the standings, the stat leaders, and then we're going on to college basketball and hockey. This is Review and Preview on Facebook Live. Hello, people. We are back on Review and Preview. That was our final break. We have 20 more minutes. Sticking it out. 20 more minutes of sports takes from all of us. Bonsta Falco here, Kyle Russo, Andrew Scarpacci, the whole crew. Well, some of the crew. <laughs> uh, we just talked about some NBA stuff with Tom Scavetta. And now, before we get to college basketball and hockey, we're going to go over some upcoming games, some notable ones that you guys should keep an eye on for this weekend and heading into next week. Uh, March 8th, we got the Battle of the Los Angeles. White Lakers at Clippers. I think I got that one Second right. Second time around, you got it right. <laughs> uh, Oklahoma City. I'm putting this down because OKC, a very surprising team this year, yes, going to yes. TD Garden, playing the Boston Celtics. We'll get to the Thunder later with the standings. Uh, the ninth, Milwaukee at Denver. Another team, Denver, not a team's talk about. Toronto at Utah the same day. Then we got March 10th, Boston at Indiana. March 11, Denver at Dallas. That's going to be a good game. I'm definitely looking forward to watching that, that one too. Jokic and Kristaps Porzingis is going to be a good match. Yeah, and, and then, then Luca, of course. And like I said, like you said, this the center the center t- position is kind of going away. Not for Denver because Jokic can pass the ball like a point guard. Well, but he doesn't play like a center. You yeah, see exactly. him sometimes bringing up the ball from half court. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then finally for March 12th, we got Houston at Los Angeles. We'll see PJ Tucker. Matchup against JaVale McGee at the center spot, <laughs> which I thought I would never hear for the two top teams or most of the top teams in the Western Conference. Uh, here's some notable transactions that happened. Deion Waiters, former Miami Heat, was traded to the Grizzlies, got waived by them literally that same day. So he was a free agent, signs with the L.A. Lakers. And there was a battle between him, J.R. Smith, Jamal Crawford, Tyler Johnson, and Isaiah Thomas for that final roster spot. And in the process, they uh, waived Troy Daniels, which makes, which makes sense now. And then, uh, so yeah, Dion Waiters is now a Los Angeles Laker. Now, Russo, quickly, out of all those five guys I just mentioned, was Dion Waiters the guy for them? Because personally, I think it should have been J.R. Smith. I think personally it should have been Jamal Crawford. I mean, mm-hmm. one of his last games in the NBA, he dropped 50 with the Phoenix Suns. Mm-hmm. There's no reason why he shouldn't be on an NBA roster no, anymore I... except for maybe the fact of age. Yeah. But I think when you break it down with all these guys is that they aren't with teams because they ended off poorly. Like Tyler Johnson was struggling with the, uh, with the Phoenix Suns. J.R. Smith uh, got kicked out of Cleveland, it seemed like. Isaiah Thomas. Ball soup at a coach, remember that? Isaiah Thomas. I feel bad for Isaiah yeah, Thomas. That, that's the word hurts, him, but, yeah. But, I mean, uh, you thought when the trade first came out, because he was a part of the trade in which the Washington Wizards sent him to the L.A. Clippers, you were getting all hopeful. He's going to get some playing time. The Clippers are really going to solidify themselves as a team. Then you hear the news that he's getting waived. Um, I feel bad for him. But out of all these guys, Jamal Crawford was the guy. Even Deion Waiters. Deion Waiters, it's it's not a question of what he's capable of. It's just the inconsistencies. You, you in, saw it in his contract year in Miami. That like, The contract year, he was on And you're like, all right, he finally gets He's clicking. like, he's the guy. He's cl- it's clicking. And then as soon as he got the money, it he's was like, just, yep. it was, it was <laughs> over. He, he gained like. 20 something pounds, 30 something pounds. <laughs> oh, man. He um he had a lot when going into this season. 
he was already suspended for 10 games and they got suspended. As soon as his suspension ended, a new one started because he did some uh, dumb uh, drug-related stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And that got him suspended even longer. Mm-hmm. And the Miami Heat are just looking to get out from under a really bad contract. Unfortunately, they were able to do that. But Deion Waiters is a guy. Listen, if he comes off the bench for this Lakers team, he could give you 10 Mm-hmm. 15 points a night if he could do that consistently mm-hmm. the problem is and the question is can he do that consistently yeah and uh, that's what the lakers are going to find out but listen he impressed them enough in their in his workout to sign him and wave troy daniels who was necessarily one of their perimeter shooters to add Deion waiter so they had to have seen something from Deion in which he's done in the offseason to strengthen his game um to wave troy daniels but we'll see we'll see that's that second player that Tom was talking about. Will there be someone who steps up with LeBron? Oh yeah, not maybe not the second player that steps up with LeBron, the, but just another scoring in the option. Unit, we'll just, say that. Well, that just could... another scoring option because you look at that second unit and you say, where is the scoring necessarily coming from? Yeah, because you break it down, it, it's not that many options. Yeah, I'll say this with Jared Smith quickly. I thought because he knows LeBron well. And oh he yeah, can, yeah, he yeah. can bring up the ball. Yeah, and he could be that take the load off LeBron for a little bit, bringing up the point guard duties and Rondo too. Yeah, that's something. And so obviously, I said Troy Daniels is waived, but he did sign with the Denver Nuggets, so he his free agent tenure didn't last. And on top of that, Joe Kim Noah, who Tom talked about, signed a ten day deal with the LA Clippers. We'll see what happens with that. Uh, maybe he'll sign as usual with those deals. You can do another ten day deal, and if that impresses, you can sign him for the rest of the year. So we'll see what happens there. Go quickly to the NBA standings for the Eastern Conference. The Bucks and Raptors at one and two respectively. They both clinched the playoffs, so they kind of are running out the rest of the year. Yeah. Celtics at three, Heat at four. Your Miami Heat. The 76ers at five, Pacers at six, Nets at seven, Magic at eight. The Wizards are five games back for the eight seed, and everything after that is pretty much you know miracles had to happen. You know, but other than that, this is kind of the standings now, kind of unexpected. We kind of knew that. You could have made the argument that maybe the Nets or no, excuse me, the Magic could have been out for place with somebody else. But overall, it's kind of expected for the 1-8, t- pretty much, on the Eastern Conference. Yeah, pretty much. Every, yeah. And everything is pretty much set in stone as well. Uh, the 1-4 through four is pretty much set in stone. Yeah, yeah. The 5-6 and six is going to flip because I, I believe the Pacers and the Sixers sit at about the same record right now. And yeah. especially with the Sixers not having Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, it's going to be a little bit of back and forth. And the Nets and the Magic are pretty much going to flip back and forth for the 7th and 8th seed. But it's going to be really difficult for the Wizards to get back in uh, and get into the playoffs in general. Yeah, so now we go to the West. No one clinched an official spot yet, but we'll probably see that down the line eventually, probably within maybe this week or something. Yep. Lakers and Clippers at 1 and 2. Nuggets at 3. Rockets at 4. The Utah Jazz at 5. The Oklahoma City Thunder. I mean, I've been impressed with that. That's been a story. Shy Alexander, Schroeder, Chris Paul, great trio of guards, which I thought I would never hear with them. They're at the 6th seed. Luka Doncic and Chris Osporzingis is Dallas Mavericks at 7. And now this is where it gets interesting, the 8th seed. I put a lot of teams on here because it's a it's a tight race, unlike it's the close. other ones. It's close. Grizzlies right now have the eight seed. Trailblazers are three games back for that eight seed, and they're getting back Jusuf Nurkic on March fifteenth. I want to say, yeah, they're good, right. So it's a perfect time. And Kings are four games back from the Grizzlies' eight seed. Spurs and Pelicans are both five games back from that eight seed too. So literally, it's make a break time for these for these. It's the battle of these five teams right now for that last eight spot, yep. which is crazy. Which hey, sometimes that's always fun to watch too. The battle for that last playoff spot. We'll see what happens there. Before we go to college basketball here, the stat leaders as of today for the NBA, all kind of expected. Points, James Harden with 35 points a game. Close to it. Andre Drummond, 15.3 rebounds a game. LeBron James leads assists in 10.7. Ben Simmons leads in steals with 2.1. And Hassan Whiteside leads the league in blocks with 3.1. Overall, outside of LeBron leading assists, all pretty much expected. So there's that. 
finally, the last two segments, people, we're going to college basketball because conference championship week starts. And you know what that means? We're going right into March Madness. What's a bit great time in sports with March Madness? Now, next week, we'll do more of an in-depth talk about March Madness with a tournament breaking down and whatever. But uh, one really notable game here is UNC plays the Duke Blue Devils tomorrow. Duke is 11-point favorites, which is crazy. It's crazy to see the UNC, such a prestigious powerhouse program, might not even make the tournament. They just they really had a poor year, and it was it's due so to the bad. fact that uh, they lost Cole Anthony really early, who was there. You know, and he's it, not going to be back. He's definitely going to go to the NBA. He's definitely he's good. Yeah, he's definitely going to the NBA because his draft stock still puts him as a, yeah. a top five player, even though he has really not played not well this season, but has not played, played really that all. much yeah. this season. He's missed a significant amount of games. He's healthy now, uh, but as if the season was to end today, North Carolina's not even in the top twenty five at the moment. Uh, Which is something you would never expect to hear. No, you wouldn't. Lifetime. They're usually a team that ranges around, you know, 1 through 10. Mm-hmm. That's usually where they've been over the course of the last At 15 11, years. they'd be like, whoa, what's going on here? Exactly. Exactly. But this is this is a uh, precarious game tomorrow because it could really go in either direction, in my personal opinion. Duke has had some bad losses as of late. Yeah. They've had games in which uh, they lost by 20 points to NC State. Wake Forest, they took a loss to as well, who's not, uh, I believe they're not even a ranked team at this point in the game. Uh, but Duke has not had the best of seasons either. When we talk about UNC being a notorious team for being 1 through 10, Duke yeah. is right with there, if not being number 1 through 5. And Duke right now sits at the 12th spot, I believe, in the top 25 in the country. Uh, and they just, I don't know if it's the assets in which they have. They don't have necessarily those star-studded players this season where they really stick out to you that much. But they haven't had such great, they have not had such a great season. So I wouldn't be surprised even though Duke is ranked uh, as 11-point favorites in this game, Fonz, I would not be surprised if UNC pulls out a victory against the Blue Devils tomorrow. Yeah, it's been a weird year in college basketball because I think so many times the number one seed has changed. Because you have no idea who is against. Because one the week number it's one Kansas. seed right now is one week it was Duke. Who's the number one seed right now? Because Baylor it's not, still. Baylor's still number one. I believe one? Baylor's the number one seed still, which is. I think Baylor's number four. Actually. Oh, they dropped out. You know what? You because might be Baylor. Baylor lost to number. Baylor lost to Kansas. They lost to Kansas. There, you know what? Yeah, yeah. Um, no. All right. Yes, I apologize. According to the AP Top Twenty Five, it's Gonzaga, it, right? Yeah, it's Kansas one, Gonzaga two, Dayton, Dayton, the A ten. <laughs> Listen, I know Dayton well because they play at St Bonaventure every year, and they're good. They're number three. Yeah. At Cray, so Baylor's four. San Diego State is five. What year is it, man? What is going on? This is what college basketball is this all about. Is... We always we always look for the Cinderella story. This tournament's going to be full Creighton's of it. number eleven. Yeah. Oh man, it it's going to be a good year. I think I can't wait till we talk about it. Like you know, in a couple of weeks when we really oh, yeah. get into the heart of March Madness, this is going to be a lot of fun. Before we jump to hockey, Andrew, you were telling me a story uh, before we went on there about LIU Post and uh, the games that were going, some crazy games that were going on. You were there firsthand, so I need to hear from your perspective. What happened? And let the people know. So I was covering the game from the studio. LIU had a 19-point lead with less than eight or nine minutes remaining. Mm-hmm. And fairly, the fairly Dickinson Knights, they just start slowly creeping back, and it's like, oh, LIU still got a big lead. And then yeah. fairly Dickinson takes the lead with um, less than 30 seconds remaining. It was 73-72. Then um, LIU runs up court. They get a bucket. They take the lead. But um, 74-73. But then... Um, the co- coach Derek Kellogg of of the LIU Sharks called a timeout, so the bucket did not count, and oh, no. there was three seconds remaining on the clock. Then um, they inbound it, they get the quick bucket, they take the lead, they win the game. 
Wow. Couldn't even hear the broadcast. The crowd noise took over everything. Wow. So that, it, like you said. And that was in the quarterfinals of the uh, Northeast Conference. Oh, wow. The, the, just college basketball is crazy. Just, just This was the top four in the preseason. Michigan State, Kentucky, Kansas, Duke. That was the top four. Now uh, that is not that is not even come close. Now it's Kansas, Gonzaga, Dayton, Baylor. So let's just let you know. North Carolina was nine in the preseason. It's just it's just it's just as college. But this basketball. is this is what everybody loves about college basketball. You know, I have some people tell me that they appreciate college basketball more than the NBA because of its predictability. It's it's unpredictable. It's very true. I mean, we. Like everyone says, yeah, because example like the Golden State Warriors. Hey, listen, this year the Golden State Warriors are one of the worst teams in the league. They, they are the worst then, team in the league. But then they're going to come right back on top, and it's going to be predictable oh, yeah. again. So, yeah, it it's going to be crazy. It's going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward to talking about that. We'll end off here, a little bit of hockey talk. I mean, you know, a lot of things are going on. The Rangers making a playoff push. The New York Rangers playing the same arena as the New York Knicks. I had to throw that out there too. Uh, Ten and four over the last fourteen games. Uh, Had, right? Did I get Zabanejad. Damn! <laughs> Sorry, people, everybody. Five-goal game in a 6-5 to five overtime win. Listen, guys, Zabanejad. people. Oh, my God. I spelled it out phonetically for I you. know, but I botched it completely. Guys, everybody, I can't speak at all, and I'm a broadcaster, so that was embarrassing, and we're going to keep that. It's going to be a soundbite for the rest of the show. Zabanejad. Uh, Benny, Benny Had. I'm going to keep it that way. Uh, Five-goal game. Five goals. That's impressive. Six to five overtime win. Puts them two points back of the Islanders for the second wild card spot. Islanders on a little bit of losing streak. This is this is really really bad. It's really bad. I believe the Rangers. No, the Islanders have seventy eight points right now, um, and the Rangers are at seventy six. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is really this is really really bad because the Islanders are losing to teams in which they should be winning. They. Uh, in the midst of the Rangers having a fantastic night at the Garden last night, the Islanders uh, travel to Ottawa, play one of the worst teams in all of hockey, and lose 4-3 to three. Uh, to a team in which they easily should have won. They made a trade for a man by the name of Jean Gabriel Pajot, who uh, in his first two games was fantastic. You can tell who the hockey expert is here with the pronouncing <laughs> of names like that. <laughs> it's embarrassing, man. Keep but, going, as you were saying. But... um. They traded for him, hopefully, to spark the offense. The first two games, he looked great, scored a goal in each one of them. One was against the Rangers, and then the other one was against the, uh, I want to say, the St. Louis Blues, if I'm not mistaken. And they looked good. They looked good offensively. Yes, they were losing, but at least they were looking good offensively while doing it because that's something that they struggled with for a majority of the season. Now, over the course of these last nine, ten games, they've been shut out three times to these teams that, uh, are just not that great outside of Boston. They got shut out by Boston for nothing. Uh, with that death lineup that they have, that uh, lineup of uh, Marshawn, uh, David Pasternak, and uh, Patrice Bergeron, absolutely deadly, absolutely filthy. Uh, I believe the best team in all of hockey, they have something around 95, 96 points, I want to say somewhere around there. But the Islanders as a whole have just not looked good. The goaltending has not been there. Um, the loss against the, I want to say the Canadians the other night, where uh, Thomas Grice was barely able to get through one period of hockey, let up three goals. Semyon Varlamov comes out in the second period, plays a decent game for the rest of it. Yes, they lost with a final score, I believe 6-3, 6-4, something like that. But this team as a whole, uh, the big thing when Barry Trotz came over, Lou Lamarillo came over. The big thing in which they preached was discipline as a hockey team, and it seems like this hockey team is not playing with that same uh, 
same fierceness in which they played last season in Barry Trotz's first season as the head coach. And it's really starting to show. A lot of people say, you know, what would have happened if the Islanders didn't have that stretch in October and November where um, into December as well, where they had a 17-game point streak and they just seemed virtually unbeatable. Yes, people knew that it was a hot streak and that, you know, eventually all hot streaks die and they come to an end. But uh, the Islanders have come to a complete halt since January. They've been a below 500 team. They just have not looked good whatsoever. They've been at this 78 mark now um, for close to two weeks now. They haven't gotten a point in almost two weeks. It's been terrible. It's been really, really, really bad. And now, um, you know, the injury bug had caught them early. Uh, Cal Clutterbuck had been out early in the season. Uh, they lost Adam Pellick, who was their best defender, uh, without a doubt. And now Johnny Boychuk, I don't know if you saw it, Fonz. I don't know if you saw it, Andrew. But Johnny Boychuk the other night um, uh, fell. And the yeah. way he fell, he took an entire skate to the face, ran into the locker yeah. room, 90 <sighs> stitches. Yeah, 90 did, stitches. That stuff is always... You, it's, it's 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 very grotesque, uh, very gory. You don't even want to think about it, especially right near the eye area. He was lucky to... Um, very fortunate to have come away with nothing more than just a um, yeah. uh, a slice of an eyelid yeah. uh, rather than completely what could have been impairing his vision. Um, very, very fortunate, but he's probably, without a doubt, done for the rest of the season as well. So that's the Islanders' two top defensemen done on top of the fact that they can't seem to score for... For the life of them, when it matters most, and they let up goals when they when they need to um, have a, a better, higher standard of goalie play. Yeah, and it's um, going into this. The Islanders now sit at the second wild card spot, yeah, and the Rangers right are two points behind. Very close. The Rangers, uh, who uh, who do the Rangers play? The Rangers' next opponent. Oh, that's who they play. Uh, by the way, Igor Shesterkin, I believe, is playing tomorrow How after you get getting these names into right. <laughs> after getting into a car after getting into a car accident uh, during the trade deadline. He was expected to be out for a while. Mm-hmm. He's coming back tomorrow against the New Jersey Devils. The way that he's been playing, he's nine and one in his ten starts. Two point three goals average against. Easily should have a win tomorrow if he does play. What that means now is, uh, I don't know if one of you guys has this up, but. Let's say the Rangers do win tomorrow. I don't think the Islanders play tomorrow. They might. But who has the game in hand? Because that's who would then go to the playoff spot, the second wild card spot. I believe the Islanders still have a game in hand, but that would tie it up at 78 points for both teams, which could really leave the Islanders in a really bad position. Uh, Here are the next couple games for the Islanders. Just to look here, uh, Saturday, March 7th, they're versus Carolina. And then Tuesday, they're at Vancouver, then at Calgary, uh, and then... Uh, yeah, Calgary, then Edmonton, then at Pittsburgh, and then Tuesday, March 15th, they play home against Cal- Calgary. So that's, that's the next that's couple really, games they have. Yeah, That's really bad. That's not that's not good considering that they have not. <laughs> not that's, that's, a divi- that's a couple divisional uh, rivalries in the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, that's not a good outlook. That is not a good outlook for this team, especially the way they've been struggling over the course of the last couple of weeks, uh, really since the beginning of this new year. Has yeah. not been very very good or for the New York Islanders. And uh, I'll say this for the uh, for the Rangers schedule: they got New Jersey on Saturday, uh, at Dallas, at Colorado, at Arizona, and then versus Calgary and then versus Pittsburgh. That same couple of games after, so a little bit a uh, little bit easier there. So, like you said, we'll, we'll look as I roll load up the uh, the standings here, the official wild card standings here. Uh, like you said, uh, 
of course, Facebook's being a little bit slow, but um, as outside of the standings, the one notable elimination is Detroit Red, Red Wings. Excuse yep. me, thirty-five points. They're the Historically only team, bad. Yeah, um, out of all the teams right now, the only ones officially officially out of playoff contention. Uh, the wild card spot: Columbus Blue Jackets are the first, the first wild card slot with seventy-nine points. Islanders right now at number two with seventy-eight points. So. I don't know what's happening there. Uh, something must be going on over there. Uh, as I continue, I think we're pretty much uh, done here, too. Uh, Rooster, you mind checking out what's going on with the thing over there, which is going on? I don't know what happened there. That was weird. Um, we'll see what happened. Go ahead. Go Alex ahead, Sovechkin on February 22nd scored his 700th goal of his career, only the seventh NHL player in history ever to do so. Currently sits at 705 goals. And this is what everyone's been talking about. Mm-hmm. Wayne Gretzky, undoubtedly greatest hockey player of all time, has 894 career goals. Alex Ovechkin, Alex Ovechkin is 34, <laughs> turned 35 in September. He needs about 190 goals more to break the record. He He's definitely got a shot to do it. He has to average 31 and a half goals approximately for the next six years up until he's age 40. Mm-hmm. He's at 47 now. He's easily going to hit 50 this year. Even if he starts to slow down, he still has a great shot at beating this record, and I could possibly think if he can keep on this streak for a while, he's going to get a thousand goals. I definitely think so too. Um, I think uh, he's thirty-four, but he has shown no no signs of slowing down. He just keeps getting better. Still has a lot of time. Definitely, yeah. still definitely still has a couple more years. Similar in him. like LeBron, they just they will find a way to win, no matter how old they are, no matter how good or bad their teams are. They're going to find a way to win. That's the type of players that those two guys are. Yeah. Uh, just for the record, people, uh, we had a little bit of a – the stream was down a little bit, but I think we're back up here. I think we're good now. But it's perfect because uh, we're going to end it on that note here. Uh, went through everything, guys. Good show. Yeah, good show. Went through a lot of stuff. That's outside a little tell and a mishap, but listen, stuff happens. But overall, I hope everybody watching enjoyed it. I hope everybody listening on audio version enjoyed it. Uh, on behalf of Kyle Russo, Andrew Scarpacci, I am Fonz DeFalco. You've been listening to Review and Preview. Have a good night, everybody. Enjoy the rest of this week. Go next. <laughs>